and gentlemen, welcome to the very latest episode of the Finger Guns podcast. I said that because I've already forgotten what number this is. Number three? three. Number three. three number three. three. Three is a magic number, although it'll probably be the fourth one on your list because we don't know how to count. Welcome to the Finger Guns podcast. Uh, this week we have uh, a very bumper, jam-packed podcast with um, mine and Greg's report from EGX Res, which will hear a little bit later on, and also all the usual podcast shenanigans that we get ourselves into. I'm your host, Roscoe Keniston, and I'm joined by the pride of Stoke, Sean Davies. You know me, Dukes. That, too. And <laughs> returning to the podcast after one away, it's the almighty Paul Collett. Bonjour. How are you doing, sir? You all right? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very well. Very well. Living the, living the dream this weekend. Have you recovered from Riz? I have, just about, yeah. I mean, it's, it was only one day, but it's, it's a pretty full-on day, you know, these... Uh, these events so Hell yes. and it was and it was a long one because we drove uh from taunton to uh to london and back again oh. uh, but uh it was yeah it was a bit of a trek but totally worth it and uh, you'll find out a little bit later on why that was because my goodness me there are so many cool games coming out this year and the next and uh we got our hands on a fair few of them so we recorded a uh, a conversation about it in greg's car <laughs> which sounds okay i think i guess i don't know i've tried to make it sound as good as it can uh, so hopefully you won't get too confused as to when that comes up why the hell it sounds like we're actually driving because we were that's what you get to look forward to later on in this podcast because we're professionals and that's how we do it here so uh we're going to move on to um our first topic which is as ever what have we been playing so paul this week what have you been playing well, Roscoe, I shall tell you what I've been playing. Lovely. <laughs> I have been playing the Division 2 still. Um, that's really sucked, that game has really sucked me in um, probably more so than the first game, um, maybe even more than sort of Destiny as well. Um, I find Washington a really kind of nice uh, nice setting for it and very kind of much more Tom Clancy than I thought New York was. Um, and yeah, Ubisoft seems to have addressed all the issues of the first game and have created a sequel worthy of the name sequel. Um, so that's been keeping me very busy. I think I've just hit level 20 now, so I'm getting there. Wow. Um, you're, you're, you're much further than I am in now. Oh, you're getting, okay. I'm yeah. gonna, you, you're going to be carrying me when we oh, okay, no get around yeah, to yeah. finally playing it. Yeah, you me too. Yay! <laughs> we should get our Twix in going pretty soon because uh, while it's still hot and... Uh, yeah, you know, we, should. we should. We should stream that. We did promise it, didn't we? When we were doing the first one, we said, oh, should we just scrap this now and wait for the second one? I said, yeah, 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 let's do that. Um, so, you know, we should. Mm. Now, the um, way that leveling up works, uh, it's it's going to be tough now for me and Sean because we're so far behind. But no, yeah, we'll, yeah, well, yeah, we'll try and catch up because the level the, the, the level of the enemies goes up to whoever's on the highest, doesn't it? Which is fun. Yes, but the best thing I've found to do uh, is that really awesome function is called to help. So you can... Um, uh, if you're going to do a mission that's pretty, you know, well, you know, you don't do it on your own, or like it was a smash free, just call the help and some inevitably joins your team, and then you can just, you know, two heads are better than one. Failing that, you can then, uh, if someone calls for help, you can join them, and then you can just go through the adventure, even if you've done the missions, and just get the XP and, you know, crack on. So it's all right. It's pretty, it doesn't take long at all, really. Cool. Did um, you see that video um, I put up when I was. Uh, trying to stealth my way through a mission. It's very difficult to stealth your way through a mission in, in um, the division, but I tried my hardest. And as I was behind um, some pile of pile of rubble, 
I was trying to like scope out the room and see how many enemies were in front of me. And then just out of nowhere, I got this, an agent needs your help. And it blasted out and every enemy heard <laughs> it and, I, and they came bum rushing me. Like no! I did see that. That's really funny. Yeah? That's what. That's my one. That's my one thing about um, Division Two. Is you can't really be sneaky. It's always just get in there and shoot. You can't. You know, even if you're playing with somebody, you yeah. might say, "Right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot," and then you, like, I don't know, flank them or something. But it never really happens. You just shoot and then shoot some more. You can't really. Um, and the enemies are really intelligent this time around as well. So uh, it's, it's yeah. Um, yeah. not quite so <laughs> tough on your bullet sponges, but yeah, they're, they're so smart now. We, we were saying that one. I think it was. I think it might have been the first podcast when when we talked about how they got around the whole bullet sponge thing by making the enemies so much more aggressive, yeah. and making them basically like very tactically aware. So that if you're like ha ha ha, no problem, I'm going to flank you. Then they then end up doing some kind of pincer movements on you. And there's, yeah. there's like no respite. You can't just sit behind count like cover anymore and just shoot at the same guy because he's like right. a bullet sponge. You really have to move, and it's. I've only just done the uh, the level where you end up going up to the top of this building and fighting this this yellow guy in what looks like um, a courtyard with like a an antenna in it. That, yes. That's as far as I got. And doing that solo, uh, I ended up um, basically cheating and using the DLC weapon that I got the the lullaby just to stand next to him and cheese him because I couldn't do it. <laughs> like <laughs> <I just, laughs> he was shooting at something else, and I was just shooting him in the back of the head. And uh, there's the only way I could do it. I was just had to cheesy. It. it was so difficult. It is, it is tough. Um, but, but the worst thing um, about these smart enemies is that sometimes those big, heavily armored guys, like the yellow armored guys, they will sometimes run up to you, and you've got absolutely no chance of killing them. You can't. You can't. No matter what weapon you got, you can't bust their armor up uh, quick enough, and they just inevitably just kill you. So yeah. I don't know if that's just something they need to balance out. But sometimes when those armor guys run at you, you're kind of fucked. Mm-hmm. There was a big update today, but, so. Uh... We'll have to see what's what's in there. Mm-hmm. I haven't played it for ages. I've been I've been distracted by other things. You know how it goes. Games come out every week now that you want to play. Um, but uh, I do plan to go back to it because I'm uh, I'm interested in the world. I love Washington. I love exploring Washington. So I'll um, we should all get back in and, and uh, stream it. It'd be fun. We will. I know we say this every week, but we will. Yeah. <laughs> we will definitely. We'll now, yeah. Now we've all moved on from uh, Generation Zero. Go back to. Love, um... Yeah, I've also been playing Outward. Oh, nice. Throw that in there because we've got a review coming hopefully this week of Outward, the new sort of big open world RPG, which I'm struggling with. Um, But yeah, review next week, hopefully, or this week. This week. Um, So there you go. Awesome. Awesome. How how are you finding it? Sorry, go on. Personally, I I can't stand it. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Every time I put it on, I just scream and die little inside because it's just awful. Well, but some people what's, like what's it. What's so um, bad about it? What, 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 like, I, I've not heard anyone say anything bad about it so far, but I don't. I haven't seen that many reviews about it, to be honest. So I'm just um, wondering, like, well, it okay, looks so like. Go on. It, it looks. Well, it looks like uh, on paper it sounds great because um, uh, you'll see it in my review. You don't actually play some kind of wizard or some super sort of barbarian geezer. You just play a normal guy who owes someone some money. So you have to go on his adventure and. And pay the debt off, and that's basically it. So that was quite good. And on paper, it sounds really good, but unfortunately, the game is just—it's just—it's just—I don't know. You've got this massively expansive open world, and sometimes if you fight, you can drop your your rucksack, which has everything in it, and then if you die, you lose your rucksack, um, which could be on the other side of the map. So if you want to get all your gear back, you have to walk across the entire map, 
to get your rucksack back and it's, there's no sort of fast travel there's no kind of horses or anything you can jump on it's just and the combat is just floaty and the graphics are crap it's just i don't know i just don't, i don't personally enjoy it it's not i don't, <laughs> oh. I don't mind uh, what what um yeah okay like you started out at like a small nitpick you dropped my rucksack and then it was soon into the graphics are crap <laughs> like <laughs> anything else you're like really want to put the boot in uh we can read the review on fingerguns.net next week and you'll see any other boots that i can throw in there um you know the game needs a drop of slap let's put it that way <laughs> oh god um uh... Well then, more positive news than maybe. Sean, what have you been playing this week? Um, I had mostly been playing Skyrim. Um, what? So, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Um, so, are you still like, going around punching enemies? Is that still your goal? Because I remember you going to try and play the whole game by just punching. I did. I did start to do that, and I realised that I, it was never going to be possible because I got to this vampire that was like. Um, I started doing the Dawn Guard DLC and realised that that was that was never going to happen um, because you can't punch a vampire to death, no matter how good, <laughs> no matter how good your high your, your um, heavy armour rating is, and it, it's just it's never going to work. So I just kind of decided to play it because I done like a couple of weeks ago I wrote up an article about um, how longer games need to better accommodate lapsed players. I don't know if you guys remember it was a couple of months ago now, I think. Um, and in that, I kind of confessed that I'd never actually finished the main quest line to, to Skyrim. I'd never actually got to the end of the main quest. I'd done, like, you know, I've, I've played it for 500 hours probably over the years, but never actually completed the main quest. So I decided I'm going to complete the main quest. So that's what I did. I, I spent the last, last week trying to finish it off and finish it off yesterday. And um, yeah, it, well, it's a great well, game. Well done. Thanks. It's taken I, um, out for like nine years. Yeah, but you, you know what it's like. You 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 know better than anyone what it's like being a critic. You know, you get a game you actually want to play, and then it's like, oh, okay, then here's Pixel Jump Five. Review this this week. <laughs> um, the, the, then here comes Cartoon Kart Racer Four. Let's review that then, and then you know you don't and never actually get to play the games that you you actually set out to play. Um, yeah. But with this, you know, I'm so impressed. Even though it's what, like 13? Is it nine years old? 13 years? I thought it was 13 years old. But, uh, something um, crazy. But it's it's so many years old, and the fact that there hasn't really been an, another RPG that's that. So you, you go into a, a town, and the fact that the town is just operating around you, you know, you, you are the center of the story. Things don't happen until you arrive in that town. But the fact that that town is just going about its business, it's so impressive. You look at it, like you walk into the town and there's like a beheading going on. There's somebody losing their head up on stage, but you could completely ignore it if you want. You can just go off and have a walk and go and sell some dragon bones in the shop or whatever. You know, it's just so immersive. Um, such a great game. And uh, I'm glad that I finally got around to finishing it. Nice one. Well done. Thanks. Well yeah, done. Um, Sean's, uh, Sean's, Sean's hot take on uh, Skyrim there, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a bit like. I've also been playing um, the the princess guide. Well, my review oh, will be yeah. up to, on the site tomorrow. Um, yeah, that's fun. I, I don't know if 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 you ever heard of um, the penny punching princess. Um, yes, I, I have reviewed that last year. And um, if you like the penny punching princess, then you will like the princess guide because it's virtually the same game. 
and just just without the good bits in it. So <laughs> you, you can you can read my review tomorrow. Um, and I've also I, I went out and I got some new games. I got a um, Poop Slinger. Oh God. Yeah. That's um. the problem having kids. Like they <laughs> see a game about poop and they want to play a game about poop. So yeah, I'm I'm currently I'm going to review quite a few of the crap games that came out on the PlayStation 4 this week. So um, look forward to that this week on the website. <laughs> That's what you do best, Sean. To be fair. Thanks. Yeah. Well, shit, yeah. Game of the week we used to do that was just like the funniest moment. Yeah, yeah. Quite so like that was. If if you don't know about this, I used to um, play really really terrible mobile games once a week, and they were like totally out. So there was this alligator simulator. <laughs> where the alligator yeah, was, so was totally, it was totally out, over, oversized compared to the rest of the world so you'd be like <laughs> next to a cow that was like half your size and then you'd come up with against a human who who was like again half the size of a cow it just didn't make any sense and the noise oh my god the sound effects oh god i still have nightmares about that, <laughs> that um, was hello there yeah. mr crocodile i remember that line <laughs> yeah those were the days um, but yeah, what have you been playing, Russ? What have you been playing? I haven't really been playing all that much. I mean, I've been playing uh, Legendary Eleven, uh, which is a review which is coming up this week. Um, there's going to be lots of reviews on the site apparently this week, which is very exciting. Um, it's just a, uh, it's a, it's an arcade footballer which has been around uh, for, on Xbox for a while. It just came to PS4, and uh, it's fun. You know, there's no license or anything. It, it knows what it is. It's a cartoon kind of footballer. You can take on some rather ridiculous shots and it's uh it's kind of fun it's not you know it's not gonna be battling FIFA or pez anytime soon but it's uh it knows what it is and it's quite entertaining uh for about half an hour and that's when the game stops because you can finish a tournament very quickly um it's quite simple i haven't found any uh difficulty uh options in in the game and uh yeah that's about it really i've been quite quiet in the older game me front this week because i've been uh Prepping for for Res, where I've played a lot of games, so uh, that's sort of been my been my gaming this week. Although I have just recently uh, fallen back into the world of iOS gaming, uh, and I've picked up uh, Child of uh, Lebanon, Lebanon, Child of Lebanon. I don't know. It won a it won a BAFTA this week. Yes. And uh, it, yeah. it, um, forgive me, I don't know exactly how to pronounce it yet because I haven't started it. But it's on my iPad to be ready to be played, and I will. Uh, I will get into that this week and give you a report on it next week, I'd imagine. Speaking of uh, mobile games, has any of you guys played The Trowel? Which I think is Peter Molyneux's new game, his iPhone game. Oh, Jesus, is he still going? Oh, yeah. I'm pretty um, sure it's called The Trowel. Um, it's Peter no. Molyneux's thing, and it's um, it's pretty good. Okay. It's pretty good. You just walk, walk along the track. It's like Firewatch, but probably not as good. <laughs> yeah. The last thing I played of his was Curiosity, where you just punch in the squares. Oh yeah. In, um, in the hope that you were the last person to enter the center, I found out about that. The person that actually did it in the end just got a video from Peter Molyneux saying, "Well done for reaching the center of the cube." Wow. Was, <laughs> wasn't 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 he supposed to get like a year's worth of um, kind of um, like an uh, employment at his company? It wasn't that like the deal that was struck, and then he never kind of actually followed through on it. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. It seems that way, yeah. I, I don't remember like a big news story about it. I think I just remember hearing about the video, and, <laughs> and I think that was it. I could yeah. be wrong. 
to be fair, everyone kind of gave up on that game, didn't they, really? You know, when, when it became obvious that it was going to take a long time to open that cube, as if this wasn't going to be an overnight sensation. <laughs> and then it's just, well, what? <laughs> and then suddenly, oh, somebody's won. Let's move on to the next game. I've also been playing some Fortnite this week. What the hell's a Fortnite? Yeah, I know it's been a while. Um, yeah. I, picked, I picked it up on the um, I picked it up on the pad uh, today, and um, I thought I'd just check in just to see what's going on. And it's it's just a totally different game again. The game just keeps on changing, keeps on evolving. I don't know what I was doing. I'm picking up weapons. I don't know what they do. Picking up items. I don't know what they do. I lost. I got lost because um, if you don't know, I was when it came to the Switch, it became a dark obsession of mine, and I'd play it for hours daily. Um, because it was just far too convenient to lie on my bed and play Fortnite for hours, and uh, and and that's what I did. Um, I had to stop, so it got deleted off my PS4 and my Switch, and it just had to disappear from my life because otherwise I was going to be playing it forever and ever. And yeah, I'm like two seasons behind now, and uh, I've got to give credit to them because the game just keeps on changing and it keeps on enticing people back in, and I think it's probably I don't know how well it's doing against you know all. all there's been like three new battle royales since it, since Fortnite was at its peak. So I don't know what they're doing to, to kind of tackle that. But the game is evolving, game is changing, and it's quite interesting um, what they've been doing. I found myself in a volcano at one point, and I got thrown up into a volcano, and then I found a bow, and it's like this. What these are two things that were not there when I was when I played the game last time. So um, <laughs> yeah, I found myself trying to tactically sort of jump out of the volcano with my bow and shoot people down below. And uh, it's a lot of fun, but uh, I've I, I've deleted it again for fear of uh, <laughs> playing through it intensely. But I wanted to just check in and see how it ran as well on the uh, on the pad. And it was pretty impressive. So um, bad, is it? good old Fortnite. It uh, keeps rolling on and it will never, ever stop. Do you think that um, it can maintain? So obviously, despite the fact that Apex has come out and despite the fact that Everyone else is now basically on the on the the bandwagon. Um, Fortnite seems still seems to be kind of the leader within the pack. Do you think it can stay there with this constant? Do you think it needs to do something different? I don't think it needs to do anything different. Yeah, the the um the one thing that it has over a lot of them is that it's freaking everywhere, and uh, it's on iOS, it's on Android, it's on Switch, PC, Mac. You know, it's everywhere. And you, Apex um, and Firestorm, no matter what. Yeah, I signed back into my account and it was all there waiting oh, for me. Okay. And I was um there was three guys on my team and you could see uh what consoles they were on. So one guy was on a Switch, another guy was on a PC, and another guy was on a PlayStation. Oh, and good. um it was just it's just wild. And so I think it's it's hardcore base is gonna stay there forever because it's just it's now fully invested and I think if you do end up getting yourself a battle pass every seven, every ten weeks or whatever it is, then you're going to want to see it through to the end. And I think that Fortnite is doing enough differently now every season uh, to keep its base happy. And I think people have dropped in and out. You know, I think Apex Legends has done enormously well. And I think that probably keeps people playing um, a fair bit. Um, I just actually this week, I did play some Firestorm, the Battlefield Five um, Royale. And it's freaking awesome. It's so intense. It's like const- you're constantly moving. You can't stay anywhere for the fear of this ring of fire catching you. And uh, it's it's really involving. So yeah, Sean, if you get five one day, we'll we'll, we'll have a blast because it's really good fun. That sounds like fun. Yeah, um, yeah. It's great. As long as 
as long as people don't turn into four-story buildings when you shoot at them, I am okay. <laughs> That's that is my you know Fortnite doesn't exist on any machine in my house now because of that exact thing, the fact that you know I am cack at building. I'll admit it. I am terrible at building in Fortnite. So when it comes down to it, like if it's a one-on-one like firefight, I'm all there. But then when I shoot at somebody and suddenly I'm I'm fighting a mansion, it's really <laughs> difficult to. Like, <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll take Ring of Fire. I'll take Apex. I'll take anything that doesn't involve me having to build. Um, especially when it's against PC players with mouse and keyboard, back, like yeah. how, how quickly some people can throw up buildings with a mouse. It's amazing. Crazy. Yeah, it's almost unfair, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think Fortnite's got a uh, a life uh, for a long while yet, and I can't see. I don't think there's another Royale incoming, at least not one that's been announced. Uh, I think they're all out there now. Now Firestorm has been released. So I think uh, a Guns Royale. Four of us take each other on, isn't it? No crazy office block or something like <laughs> this sounds very eerily similar to a plan we've never implemented <laughs> let's leave that there <laughs> so yeah that's an inside joke I'm sorry <laughs> I'll chase you with Nerf guns one day Paul don't you worry oh, I'm excited of course when I'm in London you've actually got to turn up so uh, uh, yeah, right, let's yeah, move on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, before we go into uh, some of the news, uh, we wanted to uh, give a little bit of a shout out to some games that you may not have heard of yet. Um, some games that um, are a little bit under the radar, but if you do follow Finger Guns, you know that we like to champion uh, some smaller games and games that need a little bit of a boost and uh, games that we're quite looking forward to that you may not know already. So for the first couple of games, I'm going to hand it over to Sean. Hi. Um, Hi. So. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Um, take two. Uh, <laughs> um, so, oh, don't say that. I'm, I'm going to. Out. No, no, oh. no. I'm, I, I give, I'm giving people an insight into the way that you edit this. Like, So basically, we've really fucked that up just. Um, <laughs> we've done it again. Um, <laughs> oh, what's the yeah. point of editing it at all now? Because um, the, the joke will be lost. Never mind. All right, crack <laughs> Okay, so um, this game, you probably, if, if you follow with the games, you probably would have heard of this game before. Um, it was announced during EGX. It's called Lair of the Clockwork God. And it's from Dan and Ben. Um, they are size five games. And they, you, you may have heard of them before. They did Time Gentlemen Please and Gun Monkeys and The Swindle and Kickman and Privates. And then there, Dan that. So basically, these guys do a lot of really great indie games. They do a lot of funny games um, like Kickman, which is basically a football game but with the rules taken from somebody who's never played football before, um, which is a brilliant take on the sport, by the way. If you can get a chance to play that, please do. Um, and this this layer of the clockwork god is part um, point-and-click adventure and part platformer. So basically it keeps all of the good things about point-and-click adventures, like the, the inventories and combining things and problem-solving and things like that. But because basically... Then Dan and Ben, they kind of disagreed on what they should make next. This this looks like it's part that, part platformer. So everything that you do with a point and click has to be solved with a bit of a platforming section. And it looks really, really good. And I'm extremely excited to see that it's coming out. Dan was extremely excited to announce it. He could see a couple of days ago, he was tweeting about how um, he was really excited to show it off. And the, the buzz has been really positive from those that have seen it and have played it. So... I'm 
really looking forward to this. These guys really know how to make a good game. And I, I think probably all of us have played this swindle. Anyone else played the swindle on, on here? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, yeah I mean, these guys know how to make a good game. And, um, you know, that that looks like something that we should also... That was Lair of the Clockwork God. Um, the other game that I wanted to talk about is called The Padre. Now, this, this game... A little bit of a tip. If you're going to do, um, like, your own PR, like, play down what you're saying. Because, like, the, the PR for this this game, it sounds like they're really trying too hard. So I'm just going to read a sentence from the website. It says, play as the wittiest pop culture referencing priest in video game history and face an ultimate game over if you make angels cry you a river. Now, like, wow. I understand. That really, yeah, the yeah. Play... <laughs> Like so, so the, these guys are Polish, right? So, so I understand there's going to be some kind of a translation error here, and they've currently got some UK PR on, on board. Um, but like your, your PR can't, you can't say that it's the best game and it plays the witties pop culture referencing priest in video game history. Like, no, nobody's ever made a priest that ever made pop culture references for a reason, I guess, but like. <laughs> This this game when when you actually watch the trailer for it actually looks pretty good. So it looks kind of like um, the original. So like way 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 back, Alone in the Dark meets Resident Evil meets Minecraft. Um, it's got a really cool kind of pixelated art art style, and it looks like it's going heavy on the jump the jump scares, and it looks pretty cool to be honest. Um, it's coming out um, in April. I think it's next week, and it just generally looks pretty damn cool. Um, so I just thought I'd give that a shout out, despite the fact that the PR is awful. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what uh, what platforms is it coming on? It's coming out on everything. I think it's coming out on Switch. Two seconds, I'll tell you now. It's coming out on Steam, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Awesome. And it's it's by the shot. The, the, the studio is called Shotgun, Shotgun with Glitters. Nice. <laughs> Shotgun with Glitters. I mean, I, I don't know. It sounds like a club <laughs> in London. Yeah. It, it does look pretty cool. It's got like a, a weird aesthetic to it. There's, there's puzzles and things like that. So it, it just looks pretty cool. I saw the trailer and thought, hmm, that is a lot better than the sentence in the PR would make you believe. So good luck, guys. <laughs> nice. I will uh, I will uh, await that release with bated breath. And uh, I also read all of their PR because it sounds really entertaining, actually. Oh, really really um, all right, so... We need to get into some news, so let's do that. Um, this one isn't on the docket, but I wanted to mention it very, very quickly. Um, announced this week, and it's good that, you get, that both of you guys are on here actually today. Uh, we had a look at the 3D runner motion controller for PlayStation VR, which is a kind of disc that you stand on during VR in order to move left or to move right and back and forth. Um, it's coming out at £119, and it is literally just a circle that you stand on with a big-ass PlayStation logo in the center of it. And uh, they claim uh, Mixed Realms, the, guy who, the, the guys who made uh, Sarenta VR, which I think is coming soon to VR, uh, they said the 3D runner is an innovative device that provides a whole new form of movement for VR gamers. We see it as the hoverboard for virtual reality experiences, which is almost a big claim as that PR that we just talked about. That is a big claim. Uh, Carbon Studios, the creators of uh, The Wizards Enhanced Edition, which I think Paul played a while back. Uh, the 3D runner allows for a more free, precise, and intuitive control. Besides freeing up the hands, the controller allows for more 
kind of movement. So, as the two gentlemen on the team who do have a PlayStation VR, um, does this appeal to you? Do you think it will enhance your gamingness and nope. game your your kind of immersion? <laughs> nope. Oh, okay. It's a, it's a, um, <laughs> when I saw the pictures, it, remember those things? You guys might be a little bit too young for these, uh, but they were like a little disc. When we were kids, we had these things, that little disc, and they had a kind of, sort of basically a football in the middle of it. And you gripped it with both your feet and you used to jump up and down. Um, it's like a space yeah, hopper. Yeah, you, yeah. Oh, you're old enough. It reminded me of one of those things. And the amount of times I fell off that, and that's with my eyes, you know, in reality and both hands bouncing, and I still fell off it. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of people falling off these things. <laughs> your your eyes in reality. Well, yeah, basically what I'm trying to say... Shut up. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, you're trying to balance on this thing and you can actually see, but when you've got like a VR headset on, you know, everything goes all fucking weird. Um, uh, and I don't think it's going to solve the problem of motion sickness at all. Um, it's just It's basically another way of, uh, I don't know, pressing a button to move forward as opposed to... Oh no, teleporting. It's um I don't think it's gonna solve anything. It probably just make things worse. It's a gimmick. Um unless it's a treadmill, in which case it'd be right, but it's not. So I don't think it'd be very good. I am the anti ball once again, I guess. Um, As always. Yeah, so I I've I've heard uh, rumblings about this for a while. Um I think it was the guys that were making Gollum or um Kin or something. They they'd um talked about Sony working on some kind of rudder control that basically you put under your feet and you can move forward if you and like and depending on the pressure that you apply moves forward faster and they said that it was incredible at reducing the amount of um sickness that you had mostly because you weren't using your hands and because you were using your feet it kind of tricked your body into thinking that you were actually moving forward like like a hoverboard um obviously hoverboards are pretty um popular nowadays i guess you know they are in stoke anyway there's loads of kids roaming the streets on freaking neon hoverboards these days and if you can use one of them you can use one of this so so you know being able to navigate and i guess you know having less so basically basically moving with your feet and fighting with your hands say in the wizards um seems like a convincing proposition whether it works or not um we'll have to give it a show i guess well the, well, the... Well, the, the downside to that is you may be, you could be right, because like, the, the reason you get the sickness in VR is because it's, it's the bones in your ear, isn't it? It's, you know, the, um, your brain thinks it's moving, but it's not. So your ears go, what the fuck? And then that's why you feel sick. Um, well, uh, yeah, it is kind of that, but it's it's also to do with the fact that some VR is cack. So if you, and that, yes. Yeah, if, if, they've, they've come up with a lot of different ways to be able to get around this. Like, you know, the whole, when you move forward, the outside of the screen slightly blurs black and things like that. You know, there's been a lot of work done to make sure that that stops happening. And it's less to do with your balance anymore. It's more to do with the fact that your body thinks it should be moving. Like, everything in your body thinks it should be moving. Um, and, you know, if you lean your feet forward, that might be a better trick of than moving your thumb. And especially when it's moving in the direction which you're looking, which is the one thing that really throws you. So I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but like, even even I, I, I've got my VR legs now, but if I look in a direction and press forward and move in that direction, that is vomit-inducing. doesn't matter what game it is. Oh, it's yeah, because, yeah. Because it's because my vision now becomes my um, motion of direction rather than my body, which is weird. 
Do you know um, what? Um, this is, just, I don't know how Capcom have done it. When Capcom um, done Resident Evil 7, for some reason, you're moving. There's no kind of dark uh, vignette around the screen. There's no blurring. There's no teleporting. You're literally moving and turning. Oh, the, the, the turning angles, I think, like 30 degrees or something. Um, and there's no sickness in that game, apart from the gore you might suffer from. But they, they've nailed it Resident Evil. I don't know how they've done it. Um, but... Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. But the trouble is at the moment, especially with PSVR, uh, is that all the cables. So you've got like you bounce on this disc, you've got a bazillion cables coming out your head, you've got two move controllers. You know, it's just it's getting a little bit like what the fuck? You know, it's not for long. Uh, well, you know, unless well, unless um Stadia now is it with a little mobile thing you can put on your head, but like that. Well, I mean you got uh, Oc- Oculus Quest. Recent with, oh, yeah, Oculus well, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about PS4, though. Like, yeah. At the moment, it's just cables and cables. So and Sony, just, cables. Sony just trademarked a, a wireless PSVR. Um, oh, have they? I think it was last week. They trademarked a wireless version of their PSVR, and it had a bigger resolution screen which to help with motion sickness. Uh, and it was um, so like a, a really kind of full-formed trademark. It wasn't one of these concept ones where we go we might use this in the future this looks like it's a it's a done deal and will be happening reasonably soon so that's interesting e3 yeah the thing with these things is sony always kind of played the long game with these things you look at the the dualshock 4 controller when that first came out everyone was like why have you got this big blue bar on the front of the controller it looks daft and then 12 months on they're like yeah it's for vr it was always the case (laughs) we just didn't tell you Everyone's like, "Could have turned the bar off," and they were like, "No, you're going to need it." And like, <laughs> you know, this 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 rudder might be, you know, part of the, um, you know, the, the grander scale scope that they yeah. have going on. So you know, we give them a chance. Let's see what happens. True, that's true. But yeah, I, I don't know. I've got visions of falling off and stuff. But I'm super tall though, so it doesn't help. Oh, I'd love to watch that video. Yeah, I'm sure you would. Because <laughs> you you're evil. Playing VR on a on a runner and you just fall off. Oh, oh, have you seen that, that clip that is doing the rounds on Twitter of the guy jumping off the plank in VR? No. No. Oh, oh my God. If I can share. There's, there's uh, you know, just go, uh, basically there's this, you know, the whole plank experience where you walk along the plank in VR and then, you know, they look down and you're like, oh, I'm walking on the plank. Oh, I'm scared of heights. Blah, 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 blah. This guy really can thought that basically he put the headphones on and the floor would just disappear. And he would transport you to a new world. He he f- full bore like face planted while wearing the VR headphones. So bad. He just kind of crossed his arms and just jumped at the floor, like thinking, "Okay, I'm oh, in VR no. now. This will." Yeah, yeah, it was scary. Oh. Um, really, yeah. So it's been doing the rounds. You'll probably see it soon. Well, Money O'Sullivan done that as well, didn't he? He tried to play Snoop down in VR and he fell over. That's quite funny. Yeah, I thought the pool table was there when it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't know if any of you have ever tried Netflix in VR, but um, it puts you into this like really nice cabin, and you sit on this sofa. And the first time I ever tried VR was with, with a Samsung Gear, um, with their um their thing that you put the phone in, and um, yeah, I got I, I got quite immersed into it, looking around this room, and it was really nice. And uh, I went to sit back down on the sofa, and I just fell on my ass because it wasn't actually there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We'll play Roscoe. Yeah, it happens. Good old VR. Um, yeah, I'm still waiting for something to uh, to entice me back 
because the prices now of a VR headset are ridiculous. They're like half the price they were when they first came out. So but the move controllers we'll see. are more expensive now, aren't they? Which is just insane. that is the problem. That is the yeah. problem. Is that yeah, the money is balanced out by the ridiculous price of the move controllers. Absolutely disgusting, to be fair. How much they want? Which I imagine probably had a had a lull in between them releasing and then VR when they were probably about maybe fifteen pound each because nobody used them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, now they're now they're being high stop because they're they're so necessary to the VR experience. I think, especially in things like uh, the London Heist and oh god, yeah. just any kind of movement that you need and any kind of touching, you know, they're fantastic for that. So. Yeah, it's expensive. So one day, I don't know. Blood and Truth is uh, getting good, uh, good reports. So maybe that's the one. So good, so good. Like that game that when I played at EGX last year, and you know that was like a full seven months ago. It was so good. Like as a VR demo, that is the one that you want to like. That is the best VR game I have played, and it was a demo, not even finished. Yeah. So good. It was, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Maybe Tetris. Maybe I should get one just for Tetris. Oh, game of the year. <laughs> game of the year, no doubt. Effect. It's, it's absolutely perfect. If you haven't played Tetris Effect out there, listener, do yourself a favor. You've earned it. Go and play Tetris Effect. It's freaking perfect. Uh, right. Uh, moving on then to uh, Darkborn, which sounds like a game that from software have never made. But uh, really, really <laughs> wanted to. Um, Dartborn, this trailer kind of came out of nowhere. It looked like it was exclusive to IGN. There was a 15-minute gameplay video of this incredibly black and... Not black. What's the word? Bleak. That's the one. Bleak <laughs> and desolate world with these weird little creatures. And it was just quite miserable. But at the same time, very enticing and very interesting. Um, they're still kind of little known about it so far. But um, we've been sharing it around our... Uh, our, our, uh, our company Slack this week, and we're all a bit excited about it. And so, um, is there anything uh, that's worth knowing about the game that I currently don't know? I'm going to throw it over to Sean on this one. Um, so, yes, so David Goldfarb, he's the he's the creative director. He did you know, Bad Company too, and he's got a really great track record. Um, if you, I've been following him for years because this was originally called Project White and he's been teasing it for a long time. It's been in development for a few years and he's, if you follow his Twitter, he's he's big into weightlifting, but also he's he, he drops a lot of teasers. And he, he said that, you know, he was literally in tears. There's a picture of him somewhere in tears um, while writing the script for that game. And I don't know if you, if, if, if you've not, seen the 15 minute gameplay demo that IGN put up you know pause this podcast now go and have a quick check of it because within three minutes you get a real good feel for that for that game it is bleak it's horrible it is um rough and in this game you are an innocent um despite the fact that you play as a monster so you play as a monster and you are beset by vikings and there isn't a, a bigger evil that the vikings are using and you are kind of stuck in the middle of this war and you, you obviously have the, these monster powers which grow depending on how brutal you tend to be but behind behind all of that there is like, like a touching story and you know David Goldfarb he is a really great developer he is like gold and 
the behind closed door sessions that were from PAX and from GDC, everybody was raving about it. There's like a clip that I shouldn't have seen but did see that was incredibly violent but also quite touching and um, a lot of the people um, who were responding to that were like, holy shit, this game is fucking brilliant. You know, like there's a lot of game of the year chatter around it already even though we've not even got a, a year it's being released yet it could be you know, game of the year 2022 whatever you know people don't even know what year it's coming out yet but you know it's it's already being talked about in in very excited tones so yeah it's fun to watch out for looks brilliant seems to have blown the socks off everybody that's played it and despite the fact that it is incredibly gory, it's actually got a really touching story beneath there about redemption and revenge and turning your sorrow into something meaningful. So, yeah, I am super excited about that game. Yeah, me too. It looks uh, it looks kind of heavy and violent. And, uh... The thing that got me about the trailer was how, how well they managed to uh, get the feeling that you are as this little creature um you know the way it moves and everything like that yeah. i thought that, i thought that was um i thought they got that spot on even though it's probably just an early an early demo type um like gameplay clip but yeah that, that that kind of got me a little bit excited i thought oh there's another first person blah 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 um but yeah the way if you see the, see the trailer uh the 15 minute video sorry and look at the way they kind of got the movement of the creature it's very good yeah i mean there's that part where obviously once you watch the trailer there's like about halfway through he eats a guy and grows but then whenever you walk from now on if you get too close to a rock you see one of these big spindly limbs come out and grab hold of the scenery so <laughs> it's like very contextual uh, limb movements i'm moving my arms despite the fact that neither of you can see me i'm like, doing, <laughs> doing what the trailer does um, <laughs> but yeah you like your arms reach out and grasp at things as you move through the, the terrain it looks brilliant like yeah sublime whatever that means it's a new sublime. word. Sublime. I like sublime. it. Sublime. Yeah, get a new that word. on the box. <laughs> Finger gun, 2019. Sublime. Is that like supreme and sublime? Kind of, yeah. That's what I'm going to go with. Okay. That, was me, uh, that, that was me talking too quickly and getting too excited and making up all kinds of crazy words. So, yes, that sublime. That's what we're going with. That's okay. Talking of uh, sublime, uh, we have a possible rumour going around which may have may or may have uh, or not been confirmed by one mr jason schreier which normally means normally means it's pretty legit we may have a location for watch dogs three which is very very exciting what? and even more exciting it might be in london mate london tan london tan bit of watch dogs in london town gov <laughs> you're having a turkish right yeah absolutely yeah i don't know what that means Having a laugh, but um, okay. But the threequel, uh, which is still yet to be confirmed, a lot of rumors are flying around. But Jason Schreier, if you follow, you should, hey, you have to follow Jason Schreier on Twitter and also his work on uh, Kotaku. He's the man that just blows the lid off pretty much everything and um, has an amazing track record. Um, so, um, are we excited to get more watchdogs? Oh my god, yes, I thought you would be. <laughs> uh, and I, watchdogs one and two are. Probably the only sort of games I've completed <laughs> fully. Um, I even bought the uh, DLC for Watch Dogs 2. Um, that's how much I enjoy them. So uh, Watch Dogs 3, I can't wait. And if it's set in London, I think it's a perfect setting because if you think about 
if you ever walked around Shoreditch and places like that, especially, it's all very hipstery and trendy, but they've got this kind of core hacking kind of culture vibe going on around there. I think it'd be a perfect fit in. Uh, and then you can also go up the Shard for like end of level boss or something. I don't know. I think it'd be great. Can't wait. Because a while back, you wrote uh, you wrote an article about um, how cool would it be if Watch Dogs 3 was set in Brixton? Yes. Um, <laughs> well, I'm, try- I'm trying to think of positive things about Brixton. No offence to Brixtonians out there. Um, but there's not, not a lot there apart from a few markets and famous cinema, I think. Mm. Um, but if they can fit in the obviously city of London plus east a bit, um, then I think it'll be absolutely superb. When you say there's not a lot in Brixton, there is, there is some things in Brixton, isn't there? They're like, you know, there's, they've got that little market where basically if you go underneath, there's like... What's that? Electric, whole... electric Avenue, isn't it? Yeah. So, it, yeah. so, so like down that, you know, the, that is very watchdogs. That the last time I was down there, and you know, bear with me, that was like a year ago. But there was the, you know, those t-shirts that light up with the sound bars every time somebody speaks. Oh yeah. Like there, there was them on every store, and it was like neon t-shirts that do science, science fictiony stuff. And you know, it, there are some cool bars around there. There's a lot of graffiti and stuff. It's very artsy fartsy. So, you know, you can understand why you know London would make a great place. You know, even if it was like your base was Brixton and you kind of went out because oh yeah, definitely. The the reason why this is kind of the, the original why you even wrote that article way back was because Watch Dogs Two was patched once with a, an extra um, cutscene. Yeah, the end credits wasn't it? Is it the end credits? It yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it was added um, after after the fact as a patch, um, like kind of like an a alternative ending uh-huh. um, to the rumor that there was. Uh, there was watchdogs uh, people in London and or based around Europe, and so that was a kind of a small tease as to where it might be going next. Because watchdogs two, it, had, it, it kind of went global, didn't it? Because you had, there's a mission where you had to go and hack the satellite, and you had to sort of go yeah. around the world, oh, didn't you? Oh, that was and, so good. Oh, so it could it could be anywhere, but I do hope London because since the getaway, we've not had a game based in London, have we? Really? No, that's true. So the getaway is quite good. Yeah. Assassin's Creed Syndicate was set in London. We've never had a modern day in London, uh, granted, but Ubisoft um, obviously sent people over to do lots of research for Syndicate, and you'd imagine that they could probably recycle some of that probably, yeah. for, for Watch Dogs. Uh, the, they had quite the a few is, boroughs, didn't they, in, in that one, if I remember rightly? Yeah, they did, yeah. yeah. yeah it, it was almost the entirety of London. Yeah. There is something that was quite interesting in the article that I read today. They were saying that uh, Watch Dogs 3 set in London, and there was, I mean, you, all three of us absolutely adore Watch Dogs 2, and if you haven't played it already, it's currently eight freaking pounds on That's TSN, ridiculous. which is absurd, and it's absolutely fantastic, and it just wronged every right, or righted every wrong from the first Watch Dogs, and it's just a stone-cold masterpiece, in my opinion. Um, but there was, the kind of the one complaint about it was that um, the main character, God, I've forgotten his name, what's his name? Watch Dogs 2? I can't remember. Don't know. <laughs> anyway, it's gone. Um, that guy, that guy, you know, the whole point of you know, Marcus. The, Marcus, that's it. The whole point of um, the gang in Watch Dogs Two is that they're like they're they're freedom fighters and they're doing it for the, for the right people, and you know they're doing it for the public and stuff like that. But you also have the op- the option of like piling yourself up with massive amounts of ammo and just shooting everyone if you shooting want to. Everyone, yeah. Um, and so it, it, it almost like counteracted to how you wanted to play as Marcus. 
as just kind of like a, a, a neat little hacker. But there were elements where you had to shoot your way out, which some people said it kind of like counterbalanced uh, the point. And so they said in Watch Dogs 3, because it being tested in London, it's going to be more difficult for them to find weaponry. So it is going to be far more focused on nice. the hacking and stealth elements. And nice, I think that's... Lots of knives. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Dodgy yeah. curries as well, probably. You have one. <laughs> that's amazing what, a, what like weapon wheel opens up and it's just dodgy curry <laughs> brick, brick lane curry in it a shortage hamburger brick lane curry it's all good but, uh, yeah i think i think it's gonna like fall a bit more into the hacking side of it rather than being able to just um rocket launch your way out of any situation um which should be quite interesting i'm excited yeah as long as that has the bounty hunts back dude i mean I went like late last year. PlayStation put out that thing, didn't they, where you could look at um, your entire timeline of being on PSN, and it, and it shows you like what games you played the most and your rarest trophy and things like that. I put 497 hours into Watch Dogs 2. <laughs> Impressive. And 497 well hours, and like I imagine about 450 of that was just going in and doing the bounty hunts. Once I beat the game, I was so addicted to them, and I got addicted to uh, like going up the levels, and I'm pretty sure I got. At one point, I was like in the top twenty in the world. At one point, because I just, I got addicted to just running around and just shooting people in the head, um, and I managed <laughs> to, I, I, I managed to get like pretty high in the ranks, and um, <laughs> I only stopped because the servers just died and there was no one playing it anymore, no. uh, which was a shame. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited for Fortnite Three. I'm very excited for this interesting take on it. Right, moving on then. And um, this was an interesting thing that came up. Um, Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft are being investigated by the CMA, or the Competition and Markets Authority, over their online renewal services. Um, this is a digital spy. The body looking into whether the Switch, PlayStation, and Xbox's online gaming services are unfair, and if they have broken consumer protection law. The investigation will examine also renewals for online gaming contracts and has written to all three companies to better understand their practices among the areas seem may express concern over whether auto renewals for online gaming contracts, their cancellation and refund policies and the terms and conditions. Now this caught my eye because I was kind of curious uh, to get your opinion on this on, um, I guess, you know, with the three of us with PS plus, especially, do you feel every year for your 40 or 50 quid, however much it is now, do you feel like you're getting value for money with your PS plus subscriptions or any other subscriptions that you have in, in the world of, uh, video games and do you think that because xbox live has gone up by uh, a tenner i think this week as well uh which is pretty crazy i think that's to counterbalance game pass uh which will be out the game pass for the all digital edition xbox which is due next month i was just curious do you think that um your 40 pounds a year for ps plus is is worth it essentially um well i i i, I guess so i mean if you think that the games you get free every month it's not bad um you know there's an argument whether you should be able to keep them if you're not subscribed anymore but um i think it's pretty good value but what i do uh what i don't like is uh, and i know you probably need to but it's, it's where you have to you have to have ps plus to play online which i find um a little bit annoying because you know sometimes you know, when things are hot, you know, times are tough out there, do you know what I mean? Like, you want to sit, sit at home, stay in, and not spend your money going out, whatever, but you have to still have to pay signing some money so you can play online with your friends, which I, I understand they need to, you know, obviously charge something, but um, it, I don't know, it, to me, it just seems like a little 
it's a bit annoying that it has to compulsory to play that way if you want to play online. Um, but I don't think there's much you can do about that, really, which is kind of annoying. Um, but I suppose overall, £40 a year and you get, you know, X amount of games per month. Um, it's not bad. Um, I'm just a bit, I'm just a bit kind of uh, subscribed out now. Everything is subscription based. Even if you go on App Store uh, and download a to-do list, you've got to subscribe to it. And why the hell am I going to subscribe to the to-do list app? It's ridiculous. Piss off, you know. Um, so I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm only doing uh, PS Plus on a month-by-month basis now because sometimes I just don't fancy, you know, I don't play games that much. Um, so. Um, I'm probably probably a bad person to ask because I think subscription based stuff is is just. I, I, yeah. I don't think you're a bad person to ask though, Paul, because I, I I think that you are representative of a lot of like the silent majority of gamers. Like the fact that you write for this website is great because the fact that you know you have a you are the everyman. You are like a lot of people out there who aren't represented by a, a video game website. And the fact that, that you've just said like you go month to month, I think there are a lot of people. Out there that go month to month on PlayStation Plus now, I don't think there are that many people, especially with the fact that like Fortnite, etc., um, all the free to play um, games don't need a PlayStation Plus subscription to play online. I think people really do just go, ah, I'm not going to bother this month. Oh, I'm you know the games come up and it's Conan, and you're like, oh god, no. <laughs> you know, it's I, it's. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. I, I think there are a whole lot of people that that think like that now. I I think that you know when PS Plus first came out, I think there was you know when when it really first came out, it was dire, and I was there day one, and it was freaking awful. Like I got a I, I got a PS3 theme, and I got two avatars for you know, and I was paying for this for some reason. Um, but I was I was a PS fanboy one back in the day once, so it was just like yeah, just take my money. But now <laughs> like you know you you look at PlayStation Plus now, as, I mean, for me, it is such a shitty deal now because I I got all the PS3 and PS Vita games. You know, you know, there's people who don't have a PS3 and Vita. That's fair enough. I'm not paying the same amount for three less games a month, mm. like four four less games a month. I don't understand. Like, and and what you just said there about the whole like online, like you know, paying to play online. One of the biggest earners for video games right now. Is microtransactions yeah. and and online services. Now, those things wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the fact that you were playing online. Like nobody goes out and goes, do you know what? I'm going to play this game on my own. And do you know what? I really want my character to look like this. Or you know, like you know, it doesn't make you know, it doesn't make difference if you're playing a single player game. It doesn't. It's not that big of a deal. Whereas if you're playing online. You know, you look at the skins on Fortnite, and everybody's got to be different. If you're wearing the noob skin, people pick on you. You know, that's just the way it is. Um, but you know, without that, these these things wouldn't be able to earn money. And you're right; it is a bit weird that you are paying for the privilege to play online, which is then paying for the privilege to have microtransactions in your game, which is yeah. like it is a shitty. Like, don't get me fucking started on this whole thing. But <laughs> Jesus Christ, like. Yeah. Do you know what? One of the reasons why I went back to play Skyrim this week was because I really could not get over the fact that every game that I st- started off had levels, microtransactions, loot boxes. It had 60 different types of currency to understand. I just wanted something so fucking simple that was like, 
just just let me let me kill things and don't tell me that I've 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 earned X coins and seven boxes to open in a store. Just don't do it. Like that's exactly why um, I went down to CEX. I bought myself a copy of the order eighteen eighty six for six pounds fifty, and I put it, and I put it in the old PlayStation. And at the time, I didn't have a subscription to PS Plus. It was one of the times I wasn't, I wasn't subscribing. And I just played this one-player, single-player game, which still looks amazing, still plays great. And I had a really good time playing it because I didn't have to worry about anything. There's no, like, skins, leveling up, uh, XP, anything. I just All I have to worry about is finding some bullets. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed that. But it kind of goes against what I've been playing, obviously, Division 2 recently. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think you're right there. If you've got... A, Microtransactions, like you say, is the biggest earner, and you know we're paying to pay, essentially, which is just insane. Yeah, and I, I don't feel like I've been getting my money's worth out of Plus for a long time now, and I think the end of the PS3 era, when there was a lot of games that needed to make a quick book before the PS4 released, when we were getting things like um, F1 All Stars, was it, and we were getting Sleeping Dogs. And it was just like insane amount of really great games that were like two months old. Was a Black Flag one of them? At one point. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. And, which is um, the greatest Assassin's Creed game ever, still. Yes. Okay, that's the second week on the track that I've heard that. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, it's. I don't think that the games have been of quality for a long time. I'm not saying that they've been bad quality, but I'm I'm on about the fact that for a long time Sony just seemed to stop offering something that people wanted so that you know you go into the comments of any ps plus announcements and it's full of people going why haven't i got grand theft auto 5 as my ps plus game <laughs> you know and again you know people want these you know people want games that they they want but the problem is that they haven't given anybody anybody that they wanted it's been a lot of things that have been easy for them to get i mean you, you talk about rogue aces rogue aces was a really great game um, and it was on PlayStation Plus, and a lot of people who wouldn't have bought it enjoyed it. And that's what PlayStation Plus has always been relatively good at. It's providing experiences that you probably wouldn't have bought yourself, but then, you know, you get to experience and you find out they're actually pretty good. But, but the Firewatch problem is... was on PS Plus, wasn't it? Say again? It's Firewatch on PS Plus. I have no idea. Okay. I can't I remember it, it was. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Uh, yes, it was. Can confirm. So I think that's what made me download that. And obviously, uh, we all know how much we love Firewatch um, around here. Um, but yeah, Karen, sorry, as you were. I, it's, it's just the fact that I think that a lot of a lot of PS Plus games now are not what people would, lit, would pay for. And it feels like for a long time, there's not been um, something worth getting, especially when you look at the competitors and when you look at the other subscription services. You know, obviously you've got to play. You've got to pay for gold on Xbox, but if you're paying for the Games Pass as well, you're literally drowning in games there, and yeah. it's not that much more expensive. And it's it's difficult for I mean for PlayStation as well, especially given how how spotty the connections were not too long ago. I mean they've been a lot better recently, but you know we went through six months of it being out of order every other day, and that that was not good enough, especially when you were paying for it. Mm. But yeah, to, to go on to the, the actual issue here, the, you know, the whole thing that with the, the investigation is to do with the auto renewal, isn't it? And the fact that if it renews and so it's automatically, automatically reviews. Mm-hmm. So that, that is, Funnily that enough, is, that happened to me today. 
Did it? I uh, my my PS Plus rolled over, and um, I had no idea. PlayStation it, beforehand, they used to give me a heads up. I'm sure that was the common practice. Of, yeah. Like month or so uh, beforehand, it's like, oh, dude, your PS Plus is running out. You want to uh, renew it or or not? Yeah. And uh, I don't remember seeing anything about it. And then I just get an email saying, "Thank you for your purchase." I was like, "Wait, what? What have yeah. I bought?" And uh, yeah, it was another freaking year of PS Plus. I was like, oh God. So that was uh, that was kind of annoying. Um, so I think that kind of thing is what they may be looking into. Yeah. Is uh, I don't mind. You know, PS Plus is just PS Plus. I need it to play online with you guys, and so it's not a big deal. But I was kind of I was earmarking that money for, for something else. So uh, yeah. it's my. It's, it, I don't know. I, I don't know it's if it's my fault for not it's paying enough attention. I don't know if I should have known that it was coming up, or I don't know. I think it. I think yeah. it should be up to Sony to let you know. You're right, though. Auto renewal should be a tool for you to use. Should you ha- always know that you want to have PlayStation Plus, it should not be default on. No. You should not sign up to PlayStation Plus and then be automatically enrolled to it for life. That Especially when it's so hard to navigate around their kind of uh, website thing to try and turn off the auto renewal. It's it's a, it's a bit of a uh, user nightmare. For me, maybe just me. I don't know, but I, I, I did struggle on the Sony website. I have to try and find that tick box to unsubscribe or un, untick when you auto renew. It's a nightmare. Perhaps this, um, perhaps this, um, this particular investigation will encourage them to make it a little bit easier. Um, maybe they should just throw in PlayStation Now into PlayStation Plus, and it might be worth money then. Yeah, I mean that would be awesome. Hopefully, um, they take something, take take a leaf out of uh, Xbox's book and just throw it all in. Um, yeah, there was something else I saw this week as well um, in regards to the all-digital Xbox One, which is coming out next month, that like I said earlier. Um, there is a rumor going around that £15 a month will get you live and Game Pass. Uh, which, which you know, it, it, it sounds like a lot of money, but you got to remember what you're getting there. I mean, Xbox Game Pass is a terrific service. See, okay, think about this. When you've got Xbox Live, yes, that makes you play online and all that kind of stuff, which is fine. So you have a price for that, say a fiver. Um, and then obviously uh, with, with uh, Xbox Live, you get uh, games with gold, don't you? You get three games a month or something, isn't it? Uh, yeah, you get four games a month, actually. Yeah, including, okay, so... Including backwards compatible games. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but you don't really need that if you've got Games Pass, right? Because you have access to a pretty much load of games anyway. So, so £15 is probably a little bit expensive because you don't really need the full Xbox Live thing. You need the young, uh, ability to play online, which is fine. So that costs a fiver. And then the £10, uh, whatever it is for Games Pass, or £7, is it, something like that? So, you know, a tenner uh, for both allows you to play online and gives you Games Pass. You don't need the free games. You're not really paying for them, are you? Otherwise, you're sort of paying twice for games. Does that make sense? Uh- I think that all depends on the value that you place on this. Because if you look at the amount of games, say you were going to buy the games that you played from Game Pass. Say you went into game and said, okay, this month I feel like playing um, Dead Island 2 or whatever the hell's on there. Yeah, you're going to pay 20, 30 quid for that. And that's one game. Now, Game Pass for me, I know the fact that you don't own it. And I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm not a big proponent of owning your games anymore. I used to be. Now I don't really care because once I've finished with them, I very rarely go back. But, you know, the fact that it's such a massive variety of games and you get a couple free per month with your games for gold and Game Pass, you're literally drowning in games. You could never, like, unless they just suddenly start to drop off and everyone realises that they aren't making that much money with this and the, the catalogue shrinks, 
you're never going to get bored of the games that come in there, especially when the new ones get added in. For, so all the first party games get added to that catalog straight away. It's nuts. It's bonkers. Like a crazy good deal. If if I mean I I had a month's worth of um, PlayStation Now um, trial, and I completed three games that I wouldn't have touched otherwise, and would have cost me about sixty quid to buy. And that was free. If I had game, Games Pass, I would be like literally unable to leave the house because <laughs> there's just so many games to play on there. It's a great service. Sony, Sony better be like you know take, taking notes because they are getting made look like stupid with the subscription services now. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Game Pass is um, is is uh, terrific, and I think that's what's going to make Xbox stand uh, stand out in the next generation. Whatever they have planned for it, I'm sure they'll evolve it again and then again. And um, it might become a decent competitor. You know, we're looking at uh, things like Stadia, which, you know, you don't own them at all. I mean, that's the pure definition of not even downloading your games. That's just streaming something like Netflix. You don't own any movies on there either. And I think I went into it a little bit in um, in the uh, the article that I wrote about Stadia. Um, and the idea that, you know, I don't mind. I'm with you, Sean. I don't mind that I don't own a game anymore. I like having access to a game. That's really what you're paying for nowadays, rather than actually just with Game Pass. You know, I download a game. I don't own it. It will disappear off the servers eventually. One thing they could do better is letting you know which games are going and which games are are kind of arriving. So if you do want to keep playing that game, then you know they'll give you a heads up on whether or what you want to buy it. But you don't really know until they're they're already gone. So that can be a bit of a problem. Um, but I think I think Microsoft are so far ahead of PlayStation in that regard. Um, I think PlayStation Plus is starting to look like a bit of a um, a bit of a relic, really, considering how much Xbox are planning to throw this in. I mean, look at even like Nintendo Switch Online, which is which is seven or oh, eighteen pounds a year for one subscription, and that gets you all your online games. They throw in Tetris ninety nine, and they give you a back catalogue of all these NES games, which you know, which is terrific. And they may throw SNES games in there at some point as well. Who knows what that might lead for in in the uh, the future? So yeah, PS Plus is becoming a, uh, is lagging behind a little bit. And I think that um, if anything comes from this investigation, it will probably be um, PlayStation trying to up the value of PS Plus because it's looking a little bit lackadaisical at the moment. Too right. Cool. Oh, well, that was like a that was a deep heated debate conversation we just had there. We did it. We I have love debate. We finally we like a bait. Mm. Yeah. Thanks everyone. We are we are we are master debaters. Uh No. <laughs> oh, you said the joke. Uh, <laughs> right. Moving on then to um, the big old thing of the week. Uh, Greg and I, uh, Greg sadly didn't make it on the podcast uh, this week. I don't know why I'm telling that now. You probably worked that out already. Uh, that uh, we went down to each. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just, just been very quiet, just, just sitting there listening. Just, just, just for the one listeners, like, hmm, where is Greg? Like, yeah. I'm sure he'd have oh some God. really great insight into subscription services. Greg, speak up, man. <laughs> Sorry, Greg. What do you think about the, the game subscription investigation? Oh, that's right. He's not here. Right, let's move on. Uh, Greg and I went to uh, EGX Res this week, and we went and played a ton of very exciting new games, um, which are coming out either this month or this year or next year. And it, as ever, it was a terrific event. And uh, on the way home, we got out the old dictaphone and we talked about our favorite games that we played and of various amounts of uh, uns. Well, we were very sleep deprived at that point, and we were completely exhausted. So. 
it's interesting how this kind of comes across but um do have a listen um and um there's a bunch of games that we talk about over 17 or 18 games that we've both had hands on with so um do have a listen and uh, we'll see you on the other side well hi there everyone this is roscoe and greg on the way back from egx res the sound you can hear is greg's car there's very little we can do about that because we are currently in a car and it's moving. Yeah, and if you hear me swearing at anything, it's not because I've got Tourette's, so I just might get a bit annoyed at people on the road. That's that as well. <laughs> I could always edit that out if necessary. Um, we're heading back after our one and only day at uh, this year's EGX Res. And um, Greg, have you enjoyed your day out? I have. I've had a very good day. Um, it was my first press experience at this kind of event, of any kind of event really, so I had a good time. For like half a work day, half a day of fun, and I enjoyed it. 10 out of 10, we'll do it again. Excellent. This time next year? Yeah. Sweet. Right, I'm going to go through um, some of the games that we played. I know uh, some of them we've played, uh, we both played, so we can sort of jump in on both of them. Um, the very first game I played was a game called Ember, which um, was a firefighting, Minecrafty. Uh, Action game? Yeah, would you say? Like a cross between Roscoe McQueen on the PS1 and yeah, Minecraft, right? Roscoe McQueen. Yeah. What a reference. Yeah. Um, it tasked me with uh, going into a house and uh, saving people, and essentially get, getting them out before the house burned down. They were very indifferent to the fire, which I thought. Yeah, some of them were in the bathroom, some of them were just downstairs, surrounded by explosive barrels, which was concerning. Um, but it was good fun though, and uh, I think. I think I enjoyed it more because of the staff over there. Yes. Uh, yeah. They did say it was a very early build, but they did also say that Ross was the first person in Europe to play it outside of the team, so... There you go. He, um, he takes that title. The first person in Europe to play Ember, a game which may or may not ever come out. Yeah, weirdly spelled E-M-B-R. Yeah. Ember. Emergency... Medical... Medical... Something. I'll find out. I don't know, I can't remember. <laughs> I'll put it in the description, yeah. it's fun. Um, then we moved on to uh, the Devolver Digital. Yeah, they uh, had a very strong uh, lineup. Oh my god, I think that was my favourite room in the whole place. Yeah. Um, <coughs> and they had, um, along, the, along with the likes of the stuff that they've already bought out, such as the Messenger and Gris, and uh, well, just anything you can and think of Devolver Digital. The Gungeon was there, but they've got like a new update coming out to that, final yeah. update, so that was on show. And um, um, Ape Out as well was there. Yeah, Ape Out was there. Um, they also showcase the stuff they have coming out this month on Switch and PC only. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one game that Ross both absolutely enjoyed was um, My Friend Pedro. Oh my goodness me. If you haven't seen it, it in layman's terms it's 2D Max Payne uh, with the insanity of Hotline Miami. Um, it's a side-scroller, but you can jump flip, dodge bullets, and focus in slow-mo, and dual aim your weapons as well, so you can lock onto one enemy and shoot someone else behind you. Um, my description doesn't do it justice. Like, go and check out a trailer. You've got a talking banana that guides you along your questions. It's absolutely insane. It's, it's not it's not super gory in the Hotline Miami exploding heads kind of thing, Yeah. but it's sufficiently violent enough for a game like that. Um, it was probably say it's bananas. Uh, ah. It was. Uh, it's my game of show. I absolutely enjoyed it. I wish I had more time to play it, but unfortunately, so does everyone else. Yeah, I mean, I had what ten minutes with it, maybe yeah, even less than that. I had about the same. And you just knew instantly it was really special. 
Um, the visuals are phenomenal for a 2D shooter. Um, there's just moments where, as I, I think we were sort of playing the tutorial and getting to know uh, the mechanics one after the other after the other. And there's one particular one, which, which is the bullet dodge. Yes. Where he does like a spin. It's like a little pirouette. And it's just brilliant. And it's those little moments throughout that made it really interesting. And with with most games like that, um, the sort of score combo type things, like the club, if anyone remembers that on the 360. Um, oh, yeah, again, throwing back a weird reference there. But like uh, it. It's, it helps to keep your combo going. And at one point, I was... You, you, can, you can't really take cover. And you've got like a sort of static health meter. But at one point, I was actively trying to run and flip off walls to keep my combo going. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if there's going to be harder difficulties to make that a challenge, but it actively sort of encouraged me to carry on and just blaze through it. I mean, it is a thinking man's sort of shooter, but it's not a tactical one. You don't have to stop and find out your route of action. You can think, right, I'm going to jump in, flip into focus, slow-mo dodge a bullet, do a 180, 360 flip, and target two enemies at once. And it's just fantastic. It is great. The one thing you need to remember is that it is a twin-stick shooter. So there were moments where I found myself sort of jumping onto a ledge and then facing the wrong way yeah and then you've got to remember that you've got to use your right stick in order to flip yourself around you've got to redirect up my only my only grumble i said this to ross earlier was uh having the jump map to the a button means you have to take your thumb off the right stick yeah which obviously you need to aim so you've got to sort of jump and then quickly readjust your aim if it was mapped to like the dive is in max pain where it's l trigger or sorry l bumper you can still aim and shoot at the same time um L trigger wasn't. I know it was used, wasn't it, to lock onto the other person? Yes. But they could have mapped that to like RB or something. They could have. Um, maybe you could change controls. I don't know. Obviously, it's not out yet, so I can't uh, really finalise that. But it was. That's just a minor grumble. I actually loved it. Um, also in the Devolver booth, we both, both played Katana Zero. Katana Zero. Which 2D side scroller. Um, again, platforming. Uh, not Metroidvania, despite what I thought the trailer looked like. It seems pretty linear. Um, very again, I use the hot on Miami reference. It is the Volvo. Um, you get phone calls telling you to take out the room of people. You seem to be a samurai, a bit like Ghost Dog, where the samurai you have a code. Someone seems like someone's controlling you and what you need to do. Um, again, the teaser, the trailer didn't really give too much away as it should do, but it was fun. It's got some puzzle elements to it. Uh, like dashing and slowing down time to get through lasers and fans respectively so it's going to be good it's going to be hard um, yeah it was tough as nails yeah that demo uh, there's no real checkpoints but you can see where you ballsed up so when you die you get like a black and white replay of where you fucked up I mean you know what you did because you just watched yourself die but it, it's good it teaches you the areas of your ways yeah it's not it's not hand holding in, in, that, in no. that sense no but it's like this is what you did to fuck up yeah and so don't do that again. Don't do it again, you idiot. Um, and then we moved on to the tentacle room, didn't we? <coughs> yes, and we played um, Rectum Lore. Rect- rectum Pile. Rectum. <laughs> what was it called? Oh, God. Re- recompile. Recompile. Which was a we should, mix we between... Probably, we should probably edit out the Rectum Pile bit as the not Yeah. <laughs> recom... Recom... Recompile. Recom Dial. Recom Dial. Recon Dial. Recon Dial. Yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes. Benedict Cumberbatch. Um... Which was a kind of a mix between Tron and um, Res, and Res um, if you can imagine such a thing. Weirdly enough, I started off playing it thinking like, okay, so I'm a good computer program thing. 
uh, as, as is sort of standard affair. And the developers kindly informed us that we are actually the virus. You are a virus in a system, but it's got, I don't know about a binary choice system, but they have, they said they can have multiple outcomes depending on how well you play. Yeah. So if you go and shoot everything up, then you're going to have a malignant virus that spreads the system, or if you play as a, uh, I don't know about good, but like a neutral, you're going to have a sort of softer ending. Um, or what they want to do as well, they've, they've called it a sort of 3D Metroidvania style game, but they want to expand on that. Usually with Metroidvania, you can pick up a, an item at a certain point in the game, like that's your new ability. You know, you can't progress this area until you've got a new ability, but they want to let you pick the, the order in which you pick them. Sorry, they want to, the order in which you gain them can be up to you, so you can have a different build each time you go through. So yep. you get like the double jump first, or the dash first, or the sort of hover jetpack thing in any particular order, so it affects your playthrough. So they want to incorporate a multiple play style Metroidvania, which would be interesting to see. It was good, it looked pretty. <coughs> um, very like, deliberately poly polygonal. Yeah. But that's, that's the style of Like I said, it's, it's got a very sort of res wireframe aesthetic. But it was good, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, the version we played seems to be a a very specific demo version of the game. Yeah, like a debug mode which gave you a lot of ability straight away. Yeah, we unlocked a lot of features, sort of one after the other, as we were exploring the world. Greg and I were playing separately, but kind of together, sort of became, next to each other. It kind of became competitive, so... It did. Have you unlocked this yet? Yeah, have you? No, not yet. <laughs> oh wait, there it is. It we weren't that far behind each other. It wouldn't be figure guns without that level of competition, so... Absolutely not. And then we moved on to, um, what, Snooker 19? Was that after that? I think that was the next game that we played together, yeah. Yeah, uh, which is of course coming from uh, Ripstone Games, uh, due out on April the 17th, which is... <coughs> I keep coughing, I'm going to delete this. Um, which is about as in-depth as you can imagine a Snooker game to be. I mean, yeah, it's... To say it's a good snooker game, it depends on how much you like snooker. I, I wouldn't say it's a bad snooker game, but unless you have any interest in a, a one four seven break, it's not really going to um, light your socks on fire. But for what we played, it was good. The, I mean, graphically, again, it's a snooker game. It's a green table and it's multicolored balls. But yes. graphically, I thought it was very impressive. It was. Um, and the, the real-time sort of ball physics was great. And every shot responded as it should do, and the amount of spin, and Max speed you put on it was, uh, it was great. I mean, can't say any more than praise for a snooker game because it is a game of snooker. Yeah. I mean, um, it plays in a similar way to, if you remember <coughs> uh, Vufu's uh, Pure Pool, the way that you set the um, you set the uh, the shots up with one line going towards the colour, then the other line showing you where that ball's going to go. That's pretty much what the setup is. But it's a little bit more advanced this time around. Oh yeah, that might be rain that we're hearing. Yeah, it's, it's kind of torrential rain, so I'm trying to multitask and drive and <laughs> not crash. So if, if I do cut out, it's probably because I'm trying not to uh, drive off the motorway. Um, yeah, it was good. Um, I'm not going to give away what was teased, but Ross nearly, uh, Ross nearly yeah, got the developer to let slip some modes in there. And then he very much blew something, but... Uh, we won't say what. No, I'm not allowed to say what. Um, but it was good. I, I enjoyed it. It was good fun. Um, 
might have to give a little bit of a read more on um, there'll be a write-up on this one on the Figgy Guns blog blog website at some point if you haven't if it's not there already it might it might be out there already Let's see how uh, how productive I am this weekend. <laughs> Um, what do I play next? Oh, yeah. we, uh, uh, we kind of split up for a bit after this, didn't we? Yeah, we sort of divided and conquered a bit. Uh, I went down to the Porsche room that had all the um, racing games in. There was a, a sit-in VR, like, big rig setup for Project Cars 2, which I didn't get to go on, unfortunately. Hmm. Um, but I did play Dirt Rally 2, which oh, yeah. I bet it formed this already out. I didn't realise that. Um, Again, if you like Dirt Rally, it's more of the same. If you thought Dirt Rally was insanely hard, it is unfortunately more of the same. <laughs> uh, graphically and handling is phenomenal. Um, didn't have a lot on offer to really play. We had the Rally Cross, sort of Dirt Cross type uh, things where you've got the interlooping tracks against other people. Um, traditional Rally, but I played the Classic Rally. They had some classic sort of setups. Uh, I had a mini and was wanging it around New Zealand, which was great, until I broke my mini. Because oh. I stupidly thought having realistic damage on would be a good idea. And right. I hit a tree, oh. and then my mini was no more. And again, with the difficulty, there's no rewinds, so I kind of... I had a quiet tantrum, I went, <laughs> put the pad down and walked away calmly, and then punched the first child I saw. Um, that poor kid. <laughs> that poor kid. That was good. Uh, what else did I play? Oh, a uh, sort of Super Meat Boy Celeste-style platformer called Never Give Up, which again is like those two. But every time you, each sort of area of levels broken up into four or five attempts at the same. So every time you finish like level one, then you play the sort of same level again, but it's more trapped in it, and so on and so on until you finally pass that lots of missions. Yeah. Um, and you've got the more times you die, the more you give up meter fills up. And then you can just quit the level. But <laughs> the level you can't do that for every level. It'll cap you. You've got to actually pass a certain amount of times before you can reset your death counter. If that makes any sense. You can't just cheese your way and give up because you suck at it. You've got to achieve some to be able to go like pause to this and then give up. <laughs> Fair enough. So that was good. Um, cool. What else did I play? Uh, From there, I went to um, I went to see Etherborn, uh, which was a very tricky puzzler, especially awkward when there's kind of a crowd of people watching you play it. <coughs> You've got to work these things out uh, whilst they're all watching you, going, "I know what to do, prick," but in the back of your mind, you can't hear them because you've got headphones in. <laughs> it was this. Um, it's a it's a 3D puzzler um, in the same way, similar to. Oh, God, what's it called? It looked like Gravity Rush. It kind of had that aesthetic, yeah. It was a bit more a bit more serious than Gravity Rush. Okay. Kind of very much more of a puzzle, more like, um... I'd say more like Fez. Oh, yeah. Um, more like Rhyme, the one that came out last yes. year. Yes, yeah. Was it Rhyme? Rhyme, yeah, the, Prime. The little boy on the island. Yes. Yeah, Rhyme, yeah. Something like that. But yeah, it was very... It, it made me... reminded me of that. And, um, yeah, it was, it was great. It was... Had that kind of great feeling of like what most puzzlers should do is where, when you work something out, you kind of have that very rewarding feeling, and um, it rewards you back as well when you finally work something out. Yep. So it was, um, yeah, it was great. Um, like I said, as before, there's the, there's going to be a write up on that game very soon. 
um, as that was a appointed game. So I'm going to give it a give it a kind of more thorough, in depth look at um, on the uh, on the website. But that was uh, that was something. It kind of took me by surprise. I wasn't really know what what uh, what I would expect from that. And uh, yeah, I was I came away quite impressed and looking forward to having a game when the full release comes out. Um, one game that I'm kind of a bit annoyed we didn't get to go on just because of timing and queues and stuff uh, was After Party. Yeah, which is the didn't get close to it. No, once. fortunately, every time we just timed it, there's someone sat on it, and it's not a sort of game you can just have a quick blast on. It's yeah. it's from the team. If you haven't played Oxen Free, I strongly suggest it because it's a great little story. Um, it was free on Games of Gold like last year, so if you've got it in your library, I suggest you actually play it because um, <laughs> I loved it. I was I didn't know what to expect, and I absolutely loved it. I don't want to give anything away because. It's, too, it's one of those things you don't want to say oh it's a bit like this or it's a bit like that because then you'll go oh we're okay yep. yeah. it's like if someone said play Spec Ops The Line it's just like Heart of Darkness you'd be like oh great there's going to be an Apocalypse Now style twist in it so I can't spoil Oxford Free but After Party looked really good it's about is it escaping hell? Um, I think you you're stuck in hell and you're trying to leave or something along those lines I should have prepared for this <laughs> we didn't play it at no, all. we didn't play it. Well, I remember seeing the blog as as someone was explaining it. It yeah. looks pretty, though. It um, does. It looks beautiful. It's that sort of 2D... I don't want to say walking simulator. I it's mean, got that pixelated look, isn't it? Yeah. It was very, very sort of comic style. Very good. Really, really like the look of that. So I'm looking forward to that when that comes out. Don't play Oxford Free in the meantime. Yes. That's Greg's recommendation for the week. Go and play Oxford Free. Um, I played Truba Brook, uh, which is a game I've been looking forward to for ages. Um, it's called Trubabrook. It's a game. It's a, a 2D uh, narrative-driven game, which is which is being kind of like being spoken quite well of. Does that, does that make sense? Spoken highly of. Spoken highly of. That's the one. Um, because of its uh, physically made sets and uh, levels, um, basically they, they they create each level in real life and then superimpose them into the game, and it makes everything look really stunning and. I had about 20 minutes with the game, which for a narrative game obviously isn't nowhere, anywhere near enough. But it was um, it was living up to expectation, exactly what I thought it was going to be. Um, very story driven, very character driven, and I'm very much looking forward to playing that uh, when it finally comes out. I'm not sure it has a date yet, but um, yeah, that's that one is much on my list. I the Xbox actually. The room was pretty cool this year. There was a lot of cool stuff in there. Um, I had a quick glimpse at Dreams. Oh yeah. Um, but unless you know the context of what's going on, you can't sort of make head nor tail of it. Because I, I walked into the PlayStation room, which was always at capacity. Um, it looks, it looked pretty. I mean, it's the media molecule team, so it's got that little big planet style, like ethereal look to it. Yeah. Like even though you can make whatever you want, you, you know it's from that team. They've got their very distinctive kind of look to it. Yeah. Um, so it's a shame sure. I didn't get to play that. It was booked, wasn't it? Yeah. They were taking bookies all day. Session, and it was kind of difficult to actually. In a uh, similar way to what they were doing with PSVR last year. Yeah. And the year before. Yeah. Um, what else did I play? I played Beyond Blue finally. Oh yeah, is that the one that's inspired by or taken? Uh, it's Blue um. Planet it, 2? Uh, yeah, or well, Blue Planet Two. Blue Planet Two. It's um. It's a deep sea diving game essentially. Okay, like like Abzu, but yeah, more ground realism. But it's um, it's been created by um, the 
the discoveries of BBC's Blue Planet. Okay. So the game will say, "Oh, we're doing a deep sea dive in like in China," and the ocean floor will look exactly identical okay. to what it does in that area. And you go around, you're searching for animals, and, you, and, you, and you're searching for them based on based on their sounds and their noises and their voices. And so you're kind of exploring this beautiful world, and you're swimming under dolphins and over sperm whales, and it's it's really quite something. Ah ha, ah ha, funny because of whale. Yeah, whale. You thought I was going to say something else then. Yeah. Is it the um? Is it the Mariana Trench that's like meant to be one of the deepest fissures or something in the ocean? Or the one that is... The deepest fishers in the ocean. Fisher. Not a fish. Fisher. Man, Isn't we it? have been awake for a long time. <laughs> Isn't the one that James... Oh, well, there's, there's, there's still depths in the ocean that haven't been... Uh, well, yeah, you yet. can't go. And even James Cameron, didn't he invest quite a lot in like a tiny submarine that still couldn't take the pressure? Yeah. But, um, yeah. Oh, just a FYI, if we sound tired and delirious, it's because we got up at four o'clock this morning and it's now nine o'clock. We, we, drove, we left Horton at five o'clock in the morning. We got to London eventually. We got to the tobacco dock at like nine-ish. Yeah. And it's now, is it, what is it, half nine? I can confirm it's 10 p.m. So we've now been awake for 16 hours. Yeah. Which doesn't sound like much, like to a normal working day, but coupled with driving and having to do nice press things. And we've just reached River Raven. Woo! Which means we're getting closer yeah. to home time. So yeah, it, it's, been a, it's been a grand odd day. Um, like I said, it's, it's been a first for me, so I've been like a kid at a candy store. Uh, I'm like a magpie, I see one shiny game, I play it, and I see another one, and it's all... It's not as structured as Ross has been, he's been the, he's been the good egg at the side. Um, oh, you. I've just been flitting away from playing stuff, so I had a good day. We, um, caught, we caught up with some industry types, so it was nice that. We did, it was nice to see some people again. Yep. People I didn't know, I didn't know were going to be there, so that was fun. Um, we both played uh, Bloodstained. Oh yes, yeah, I forgot about that. Which is Bloodstained: Ritual of the Knights. Because there's, there's two Bloodstained. There's the 16-bit version, which came out a while back. I think it's free on gold the other month, which is a bit naff. It's it's basically like inspired by old NES Castlevania, and then the Bloodstained that's coming out again is Castlevania in all but name. Um, it plays like Symphony of the Night. Sim yeah. Symphony. Sim Symphony. Symphony, not sympathy. Symphony of the Night. That's going to edit this out. It plays like uh, Symphony of the Night. Sympathy of the Night. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> Take three. Alright, where was I? Bloodstain. So it's basically Castlevania in Auburn name. It plays like Symphony Sympathy of the, of the Night. Sympathy of the Night. Fuck's sake. <laughs> Show me serious. Sorry, I won't go. Alright. What was I going? Alright, so, yes. Bloodstained. Uh, essentially, the new one that's coming out. It, it's, it's Castlevania in orbit name. It plays very much like Symphony of the Night, just with sort of the whole 2.5D graphics. Yeah, where yes. everything's 3D modeled, but you're on a 2D plane. Yeah. Like Trials is, like um, other games like that. The is. enemies look terrific. Yep. Um, there, there's one moment during the demo that we played um, where they're crawling up the side of a boat yes. or a wrecked ship. And that was just that's just, that just looked really cool in 2D to see them appear from the ground, sort of climbing up rather than just appearing out of nowhere. The, um, the intro reminded me very much of the first God of War where you start on a ship. Yeah. Like the very very first God of War where you take on the Hydra. So it had that going for it. Um, it was good. I never actually played. I never finished uh, Symphony of the Night. 
I think just because I found it difficult, given my age at the time, but I need to revisit that. But Bloodstained is shaping up to be good. I mean, if you ignore the bad reviews the other ones got, because I think that was just boshed out as a quick 16-bit or 8-bit, you know, to tide people over. Yeah. But this new one, Bloodstained, is going to be it's going to be good. If you, if you need that Castlevania fix, I was going to say Metroidvania then, but they are one half of that portmanteau, so, <laughs> you know, they, they're going to try and reclaim the honour of being what they used to be, Bloodstained. I say they, it's not uh, Konami, is it? It's, um, it's the director. It's like Shinji Mikami, did not Shinji Mikami. Who's the guy that made Mega Man? Uh, Sympathy of the Night. You don't know, do you? No. But the guy that left, the guy that didn't make, I think it might be Shinji Mikami, he made Mega Man and then left Capcom and made Mighty Number no. 9, which everyone was like, oh, it's going to be Mega Man again. And then it wasn't. No, it definitely wasn't. No, but Bloodstain looks to be it done right. Yeah, plays really nicely. Um, it's coming out in the summer. And um, it seems to be going really well. And people are excited for it. So, good for you, Bloodstain Ritual of the Night. You seem to be doing something right. <laughs> yeah, it did. Um, anything you played that you didn't like today? Um, you just drop the interface. No. <laughs> you just drop the interface. Um, I'm drawing a blank. Um, they obviously weren't that memorable because I can't remember. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, I played a game called um, what was it called? Special Pursuit Department. Oh, I which saw was that. Just a free the, runner, essentially. The, the sort of constant runner. Yeah. It looked it was, pretty naff. It was garbage. It was um, garbage. It was kind of annoying because the booth was quite colourful and lured me in. Yes. And uh, it was shit. Ah, oh, shit. Um, no, I mean, I, I probably did, but it's, it's that late in the day that I obviously just wanted to remember because they weren't worth remembering. They weren't worth remembering. I played uh, Pacer, which is the new racing, oh, um, the, the anti-grav the, futuristic the one that's wipeout by any other name. I was going to say, the one, the one that's wipeout but not wipeout. Yeah, essentially it's fucking just like Just like Grip is and... Um, Roll cage. Pacer, yeah. Pacer is not wipeout. Wink. So Pacer is essentially wipeout. Yeah. Just just without the polish yeah. or style. It looked good. Um, it got announced today officially. Uh, okay. And um, so yeah, we got a, quite an early hands-on, I guess, with it. And um, it was it was fine. It was just you know it's not wipeout. It's trying really really hard to be wipeout. And um, um, I, I hate comparing games that way, but it's just so obvious with this one. Yeah. And um, I don't. It may garner an audience on systems that don't have Wipeout on them, but I don't think it's going to beat out uh, the Omega Collection on PS4 at least um, um, for people's affections in that particular genre. One one game I did like to look at, but it actually gets playing uh, from Rebellion was We Were Here Together, which I've never heard of the first two games because uh, it's the third one. Yeah. It's like We Were Here and then We Were Here something and then we were here together is a new one coming out um four player co-op um but unlike most co-op games where you are separated at the start and joined together this is the opposite you're an art you're a sort of arctic exploration group you start off together you answer a distress call and you get separated you find this castle in the arctic and you're sort of thinking you can build a castle out here and then but the strong dynamic is that even though you're separated, co-op helps. 
So you, we've sort of paired off as twos or four of you. Um, one of the examples given that I was watching someone play as I was being told by the rep uh, was tuning an aerial on the roof right. of this part you're in. Um, well, you can't see, you can see one frequency and the person on the control panel below has to see what you're matching it up to. So they have to say like, pitch up or down a bit more. I see. You can't swing it because they have to be moving the frequency on the other end as well. Gotcha. Um, so there's a very strong focus on working as a team but separate. Uh, which looked really good. It looked like a very good sort of uh, unique style of it. And uh, one of the things they also encourage if you haven't got friends to play with is like a blind co-op. So people will drop in just anonymously. And, huh. then, and then the aim of that is to get... What was that? I don't know. Blind co-op. Blind co-op! Yes, in We Were Here Together. Yeah, so the aim is to just... If someone joins your game randomly, it's to help each other out. Nice! That's a good feature. And uh, yeah, that that is coming in to Steam in... They think about summer, but they couldn't confirm that. Interesting. Um, Sniper Elite V2 being remastered? Uh, yeah, we didn't get to play it, but we did go and check it out. Pretty much every console, I think. Looks very pretty. Um, you might be wondering why Sniper Elite V2 when there's four available at the moment. Um, because, in their own words, it was their best selling one. Yeah, the most and popular it, game. And it was a good game. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, so there's been improvements to, obviously, the visuals, as any remaster is. Um, multiplayer improvements. Co-op is still only two players though. Um, I think having four of you doing co-op might be a bit overkill. Yeah. And really hard to coordinate a stealth mission. No regimental army needs four snipers yeah. in one mission. Um, that's... Um, it's got local multiplayer on Switch, is yep. that right? Yep. Is that what you said? Yep. And they're looking to do the... And three's coming out as well, isn't it? Yeah. Three's coming to Switch. Um, and they have some other, other yeah. news. From what, from what we could tell, they're planning a big year, Rebellion. Yes. Um, they didn't go into any more detail than that, but yeah, there's a lot going on. It sounds like that. They're a bit of a quiet one. Well, I wouldn't say quiet one. I mean, Strange Brigade, unfortunately, didn't hit the mark. We liked it. As, we did, very as, much so. As you can tell, but it seems that no one else really did. It was a shame, because it had the promise. Mm. Um, obviously, Zombie Army Trilogy's been ticking over for them, but it seems like... Since my Elite Force hit Game Pass and uh, PlayStation Now, it's doing good and they're revisiting the other ones. Yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm playing Sniper Elite 4 right now. Um, it's my first one, so I'm kind of slowly working backwards. Um, I picked up Sniper Elite 3, I think it was on PS Plus a while back. Yeah, that sounds about right. So it's there waiting for me when I get around to it. Um, oh! Um, no Straight Roads. Yeah. The... What the bloody hell is this game? Yeah, it's like... Rock man meets Guitar man meets. Uh, Persona? Devil May Cry, yeah. Like Devil May Cry Boss Arena Persona type shenanigans. Yeah. It's, it's like even the hashtag is it Rock versus EDM? Yeah. Like Rock. The, the game is essentially you're on a mission to rid the world of EDM with rock music. And. It's done so in a cavalcade, a kaleidoscope of colour. 
Yeah. And it's 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 just it's being shot into your eyeballs at every second. If you um, Ross was a I was watching Ross play it, and there was it was just one one sort of boss battle in the demo. It's like an evil DJ who keeps growing bigger and bigger. Um, if you played the Devil May Cry reboot uh, from a few years back, we had the boss fight with Bob Barbers, who is like the TV personality, he's a giant floating head, and you go inside the newsroom and it's all glitchy and stuff. That's what it reminded me of. Um, if you haven't played it, then you won't know what that reference is, but it was really over the top. It was. I mean, I suppose the bass track was a bit like a record, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. With those globes spinning around. It, it, it's hard to explain, but not in a bad way. It's, it's definitely unique. No, it's very much focused on um, like playing to a beat. Yeah. Um, if you hit a certain hit on a particular rhythm, um, then you'll get an extra boost of power. You'll get like a special shot if you hit it at the right time. And uh, that isn't something I did very well. Until the very last one. And I crushed it. Like a boss. Um, so yeah, No Straight Roads is absolutely bonkers and I'm quite excited to see it come out, which is, uh, I believe this year, hopefully. Yeah, that's the plan. So that's um, another one on the list. Um, essentially 95% of the stuff I played at Res, I want to play again. Uh, which is, I think, a testament to how good the lineup was this year. Oh, there was that uh, game uh, with Tom Baker in. Oh yeah! Something Molly McCoo or something like that? It was called... Um, Nelly Kutalot. That's the one. Nelly Kutalot. There was a couple of Nelly Kutalot games um, being uh, being displayed, and I played the one which was a pirate adventure. It was a point and click uh, pirate adventure game, and that was fun. <coughs> um, having Tom Baker definitely helped. Um, Greg sort of mentioned my eyes sort of widen when that was mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> Being a being a Doctor Who fan. Oh, was he in Doctor Who? I thought he was just a little friend. Dare you? How dare you? Yeah, so that was nice. It's not. I uh, didn't jump to the top of my list, but it was. Uh, it was nice. We get code. I might give it a bit. No, that's a horrible thing to say. I'll cut that out. Um, is there anything else um, that you can remember playing? Not off the top of my head. Um. If it is, I'll have to just text you and say edit to the podcast. Okay. Um, no, I mean, I, I played what I wanted to play. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. I had a good time, like I said. Awesome. Yeah, let's say we met some of our, uh, our industry peers. Um, spread the word. You know, some of them got the references to where the name comes from, so I'm quite happy with that. Yeah. A good time was had. Yeah, it was nice to run into uh, developers and publishers and them, yes. them get know who we are. Essentially, that was really lovely, and uh, makes it all makes it a little worthwhile. Yeah, you know. Um, so yeah, I guess that that was our uh, one and only day report uh, for EGX Red. It was a cracking show. Uh, we had a really really fun time, and uh, we're now looking forward to uh, the big old EGX in October. I think it's in October this year. Uh, back in London which will be fun it's now yep 18 minutes past 10 we might get home at some point in the future and head straight to bed and back to the podcast 
Thanks, Roscoe. Great segue. Right. Uh, so that was our time at uh, EGX Res. Uh, we had a really, really good time. And there's so much to get excited about. And it was just another kind of great event full of people who really, really care. And uh, I'm very glad I went in the end because I wasn't really looking forward to it, to be honest. I wasn't um, all that jazzed about traveling all the way down to London again and spending my day sort of like in queues and stuff. But fortunately, um, we had a really, really good time. Good. Good. Yeah. I'm really glad that you went and I didn't. I'm not sore about that in any way, shape or form. It sucks that you weren't there. I'll be there next year. I'll be there at every event possible from now on. Um, But yeah, I mean, EGX is, the big EGX is coming up. That's usually fantastic. One question I wanted to ask you about this, this EGX, obviously I couldn't be there, but um, so one of the things I'd heard from several indie developers is that things have, have changed a little bit behind the scenes. And obviously, um, the Gamer Network got bought out by uh, Reed Pop, who do the Penny Arcade and PAX and those kind of big events in America. And I was just wondering if you if you'd noticed any differences with Res this year. Did it feel bigger or smaller, or it, it, had anything changed massively? Um, it felt like there was more there than than usual. If you get me, it felt like there was just a massive amount of games there, which I've never really felt with Res before. I've always felt like they, they, they put on a, a heavy show full of games, but this one felt really jam-packed. You know, that, you know, that entire bottom floor that they, that they use. I mean, every room had a game in it. Every room had something to play, whether it be... You know, the left-field collection was pretty big this year. Porsche had a room, uh, which was all races. Like, Porsche? Um, Porsche. Porsche? Porsche was sponsoring, Porsche was sponsoring a room, maybe. I don't know. But um, Dirt Rally was in there, and Forza was in there. There was a VR racing game in there. And there was just so much to play. I mean, it was just absolutely jam-packed all the way through. And I don't know if that is um, the influence of uh, the new owners. Um, I was w- walking around playing some games, certainly um, Ember, which I talk about in the, uh, the chat, the, um, the firefighting game. Um, those, those guys flew in from New York. Um, they had been at PAX like a week beforehand, and, um, and they came down to Res to set up all their stuff, and they were so entertaining. And they were just a really enthusiastic bunch of people. And also the guys from Beyond Blue, obviously they're American. And um, it, was just, it was just mad to, um, to see just how much, how many games there were. I mean, we just couldn't keep up. There was just so much to play. And I don't know, from my memory of Res, like Res, I didn't go last year, but the year, after, the year before. I mean, it was, just, it was just rammed. And it didn't feel as spacious and as open as it has done in the past. Because there was just a game on every corner. Which is kind of what you want, but also um, not for it to be as as jam-packed. So one of, one of the things that um, people complain about PAX is the fact that it's like sardines, and they don't even give booth numbers. Um, so you can't really figure out where you are at any time. Mm. Um, so like you can look at, like with Resident in the past, you could always look up the the room number and find the room. But was that did, did you feel that? that was lacking this year or um not especially no it was quite easy to get around once you walk around the place once you know it's quite easy to um to get your head around it it was quite like i said it was just busy i mean idea xbox i mean it's always been in that uh, that that right hand corner as you walk in like the, from the main entrance yeah yeah, the green you room, yeah yeah you can't miss it it's big and fucking green and um it was just so it was just packed i mean it was just packed of packed full of games and packed full of people that were playing there was you know, three or four queues down to play after party, 
Um, never got a chance to jump on it because it was just busy all day, uh, which was unfortunate. But, um, I mean, in terms of navigation, it was quite easy. We found the bar very quickly. Um, the first thing we did... <laughs> priorities, priorities. Yeah, the first thing we did was get a coffee uh, because we were both exhausted from just driving. And, um, yeah, I mean, you walk in, we saw the Unreal Room. The Unreal Room, to be fair, was the, probably the biggest room there, and it was... That was where kind of the biggest games were. Uh, things like Snooker 19 and Pacer and... Um, oh, God, I always forget the name of the stupid space game that I don't like. But it was there was a massive sharing of it there. Um, I can't remember. I'm sorry. I can't remember. No. Um, what's it called? Um, Legacy. Oh, damn. No, I forget it. It doesn't matter. But, Elite uh, Dangerous? No. Oh, uh, Come on, I'm going to keep guessing now. Go on, carry on. Um, it, had a, it had just a massive sharing. and un, The Unreal Room was packed uh, full of games. And um, yeah, I mean, I didn't really feel lost at all at any point. It was quite easy. Once, again, once you're on the bottom floor, the bottom floor was a little bit of a maze. But once you, as ever, once you get used to it, it's, uh, it's quite easy to navigate. And when I was going through my appointments, I was like, oh, I need to go to Snooker. Oh, that's up in the, uh, the Unreal Room. So I'll jump from here now and just go up there. So it was quite, once you've done it once, you know, you can't miss certain rooms like the tentacle room and um, the careers fair, which was jam packed all day long. A lot of people were in there vying for game, uh, game jobs. Um, there was the great, the massive indie room, which is just called the EGX Res indie room. And it was just, uh, that's where Ember was and beyond blue and a ton of other games. That's where the merch was as well. Um, so yeah, in terms of navigation, it was quite, it was quite simple, really. Cool. Surprisingly um, more than more than it has been in the past. Do you know the the developers of um, Amber? Um, is it Muse Games? Yes. Um, they also making Hamsterdam. Uh, yes, that was there as well, and I didn't get a chance to play it, unfortunately. Wow. Well, I I'm a Kickstarter backer, so we will end up getting to play it. Hey. Uh, yeah. And uh, and because I backed them on Kickstarter, they sent me a Steam link for their entire back category. So, uh, sorry, back catalog. Um, so I've been playing Guns of the Icarus, and I've been playing through this uh, Creatures game that they made. These guys really know how to make a game. They they are like <laughs> on fire, like uh, obviously with Ember, quite literally. But um, yeah, yeah they, they like they are on a hot streak. Really good games. Um, one of the other questions I want to ask about um, EGX um, was there anything that you obviously apart from After Party was there anything there that you missed that you really wanted to play? Um. No, not really. I think I we got in there early enough to jump on everything I wanted to play. Um, I can I guess I wanted to play. I wanted to have a quick go on Cuphead on Switch, but um, that was rammed all day. Uh, so, uh, Double Kick Heroes, I didn't get a chance to go on. You know, um, it's like like it was the year before. The Switch had that kind of circle on the bottom floor. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they they took that space up again this year. Uh, so no, I think I think everything I wanted to play. I did play, although no, um, what was it? And I missed um, NYC Bungie, uh, which is just the it looks like the dumbest game in the world, but it looks really entertaining. And uh, I didn't get a chance to get on that one because I was in the queue for uh, No Straight Roads, um, which I didn't need to be in the queue for in the end because I forgot I had an appointment with them. <laughs> <laughs> you can be excused having woken up at like three in the morning just to drive down. Yeah, man, we, God, we've man. all been there. I remember, no bit, I'm, like. Last year, queuing up to play Winlands Two, and being there for forty-five minutes, and getting to the front and and realizing that I'd met the developer before the year before, and he was like, "Oh man, why did you even queue? Could have just come to the front." And I'm like, "Oh, you're kidding me!" 
like it was in that room that's like a greenhouse and everybody was like dripping yeah, yeah. sweat because it was full <laughs> of VR kits and it was the PCs were melting in them and in the uh, like the the cupboards because they had no vents in them. The machines get overheating; it was crazy. <laughs> uh, press pass problems. Is, um, yeah. Did you get to play that? I don't know if it was there. Is that EA game? Um, I can't remember what it was called. This something about water. Oh, what's it called? Singing. Um, oh, what's it called? Oh, the really colourful one that was presented at the EA Play last year. Yeah, and there's like some, some girl in a boat or something. And oh, oh yeah, I know the one you mean. Uh, no, that wasn't there. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> you the uh, Finger Guns podcast. <laughs> no okay. knowledge. Uh, L- yeah, I mean, there wasn't, uh, there wasn't uh, much. Um, normally at Res, there's always like one or two AAA things that they slide in, like um, like Bloodborne a few years ago and things like that. But there was nothing really there this year that was considered okay. you could kind of consider AAA. I mean, they had the the Borderlands Game of the Year edition there uh, to play. Um, I don't know if that counts, but uh, that was only the kind of the only one I really saw. Well, except for Dreams, I guess. Dreams was there in PlayStation's room that was fucking garbage, horrendous. Um, I can't, I, I don't understand PlayStation at the moment. They just don't give a shit at all this year. <laughs> they're just like, oh, we've won. Screw it. Who cares? Um, yeah, they're, they, had, they had a booking room. Like, you know, you had to go a couple of years ago and book for your time on VR. Well, now it's like you've got to book for your time on, on Dreams. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah, I don't really want to, but it was jam-packed all day. And they had, um, they had bean bags in there for you to sit on instead of chairs. I was like, oh, I'm not down with this. So, uh, I made a swift exit, and they had PlayStation Now on as well. Like they had Dreams and PlayStation Now, and that was it. That was all they had there. And so, it was just a bit, bit shit, really, in terms of PlayStation. But every, everyone else, uh, Nintendo and Microsoft, really represented. It was great. I, I was going to ask you uh, which which of the three publishers that turned up the the three console manufacturers brought the brought the heat this year because Switch ever since ever since the Switch arrived, um, Rez has been like over. Oh, Come by Switch games, like the entire downstairs floor was normally flooded with them. Yeah. And you had Xbox in their own room, and then you had PlayStation, which has gone between having a ton of games and having Bloodborne there, and having virtually nothing there. So, which who who do you think won this year on the whole console manufacturer front? Um, in that regard, I think Microsoft did. To be honest, um, because their room had uh, True Brook. Um, had an after party. Um, had Family Man that uh, that No More Robots game. I got to see it. I didn't get to play it. Um, a titled Goose Game was in the Switch area. Actually, now I remember. Um, didn't get a chance to play it, but I watched someone play it, and it looked ridiculous. Um, yeah, the Xbox uh, place they had Eth- they had um, Etherborn, which is a game that I played. I had an appointment for, which was really interesting puzzle game, which I'm not smart enough for, and I don't think I mentioned it in the uh, in the conversation, but it's very difficult for me to play a puzzle game in a public arena because there's always <laughs> there's always people behind you yes. waiting and watching you play, and I don't like that pressure. You know, it's one of those games where it's like, oh, there's a thing over there, but I need to get that thing in order to access that thing, and so you, you've just got to work it out. And I was taking fucking ages <laughs> trying to work this thing out, and I realized it, and I was like, I'm taking ages just to work this one thing out and the developer didn't even help me just fucking stood there and just watched me fail and that's, um that's a job though with you because that's part of why so what you don't like public shows like this it is developer gold mines for just standing there and watching people fail at their game 
to see how they fail. Like, so you've probably made that game 10 times better by failing so publicly. They should yeah. pay you, Roscoe. There you go. You're welcome, Etherborn. Altered matter, you developer people. Um, but yeah, I think Idea Xbox was crushing it this year. They had a really great lineup. Um, you can't miss the Switch era, obviously. There was a massive banner saying, it's the Switch. I think it's probably been up there since last year. And <laughs> uh, it was just, uh, yeah, the PlayStation but just but just nowhere to be seen, really. It was kind of depressing in their, in their regard. And I think that's going to be uh, the case for them this year because they don't really seem to have an awful lot to to share with us. But, you know, it wasn't really about that, I guess, at, uh, at Res. You just play indie games and just wonder when or what console they're coming out on. Um, it, it, is, it is a bit disappointing, though, because they Sony have recently restarted their whole strategic content team. Um, and I don't know if you've ever heard of the strategic content team, but they, they basically um, found games that they found interesting and made sure that they were coming to the PlayStation. Like, so they they helped launch the PS4. So obviously the lo- launch slate for the PS4 was reasonable. And that was because there was pretty decent slate of indie games that arrived alongside the PS4. The same as the PS Vita, the strategic content team basically kept that console going way, way, way longer than Sony did. Like that team inside Sony, and it was Shahida Ahmed, I think it was, that was kind of leading the team back then. And that that team has recently been launched within re- relaunched within Sony because they got rid of the team because basically they were like, we don't need it, you know, we we are selling bucket loads, there's no no need for this. And that team was kind of the primary reason why I got a PS4 because they they were getting experiences you couldn't get elsewhere. And it's just disappointing yeah. to see Sony not really putting the effort in. And I understand the fact that like basically if you want to sell an indie game right now, you either go to Switch and you risk the the launch date to make sure you aren't launching against 50 other indie games because that is what's happening or you go on the ps4 and you you hope that you can find a market within the you know 80 million 90 million people out there but it's it's just shit that's only really all putting as much effort into indies as they probably should yeah i mean they they just they just seemed it seems quite lackadaisical i mean i know why dreams was there dreams is the early access is out next week or the week after um so i get it from that regard but it would have been nice to see you know, I wasn't expecting Days Gone or anything, but I was. It would have been nice to see like Concrete Genie. Would have been nice uh, to see there because there was a playable version of that at PAX and at GDC, and it would have been nice if that made it over. But I guess PlayStation have uh, other plans for that one. Like, like Xbox had had 50, 50 indie games all through the idea Xbox program. Like, why can't Sony just go out and say, "Hey, you know, I mean, they had they obviously have a room." That they fill with dreams and some beanbags. Seriously, that isn't you know, that isn't a great mm. use of that space. Yeah, and they had a bunch of consoles and they just used it to push PlayStation Now, which is dark, like it's just weird. so strange. Sony really uh, need to up the game, don't they? Let's, let's just face it. Uh, they really do. I think they're already behind in terms of next gen. To be honest, I think they're already kind of on the back foot. They've got to see this generation out. Obviously, we've got dreams. Days gone. Uh, the last of us, uh, so you know, I think they're going to be okay in that regard, but there's just a real lack of kind of like customer facing, which is really strange at the moment, a bit too complacent at the moment, and it's uh, it's a little concerning. But, um, overall, Res was awesome, and um, I look forward to big old EGX in October at Earl's Court, which is about five minutes away from Tobacco Dock. So, I don't know, maybe the Res area at Big EGX will actually be just back at Tobacco Dock. Who knows? That might be quite interesting. But yeah, we had a great time. Greg had a great time as well. So 
Smiles all round, happy days, indie games rule, and I can't wait to play more of Ember and my friend Pedro. Oh my god, I can't wait to play my friend Pedro again. Uh, right. That is it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, thank you very much oh, indeed. Oh, one more thing, one more thing. Go for it. Very, very important. That indie game from EA, Sea of Solitude. That's the one. Thank yes. you. There you go. Well done. Thank you. How long has it taken you to find that for? Well, Google t- took a while, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we go out this week, we have um, April the 9th, Dangerous Driving from uh, the guys that made, um, the original guys that made Burnout and um, the one that they released a while back. What was it called? That was like Burnout, but not. Um, you mean the Crash Zone one? Yeah. Um, Crash, Crash Dangerous. Zone. Danger, um, Danger Zone. Danger, Danger Zone. Zone. Yeah. yeah. And they're, they're, they're just trying again, apparently, with dangerous driving. <laughs> uh, so that's out on the, on the 9th, if you've been missing that burnout goodness. Um, April the 9th also is the day of the Phoenix Wright Ace Eternity trilogy. Whoop, whoop. Yes. Wow. Yes. Ace Eternity. Oh, man. They're all coming out on every single system. And I'm a bit excited about it. Not going to lie to you. Um, April 11th sees the Nintendo Switch release of Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice, uh, which should be quite interesting. Um, I don't think I'm going to pick it up because I got I got terrorized by that game on PS4 enough. But um, it's there if you haven't played it already. Earth Defense Force Iron Rain is out on April 11th on PS4. They have like a new game every week, though, don't they? I swear. Uh, there's two a year. Two oh, a year. Two a year. <laughs> yeah. It feels like every time you go and you check out the daily news, there's a new trailer for some Earth Defense Force game or something. Yeah, it's just a it's just a cliche names, isn't it? Uh, all, mm. all all of a sudden. Um, Shovel Knight King of Cards is out on April 9th on Nintendo Switch, along with Treasure Trove, um, which Shovel Knight is amazing, so more Shovel Knight is always good. But most importantly, the biggest release this week is Nintendo Labo Toy-Con 4, the VR kit. That lands on the 12th, which I believe is Friday. So if you want to strap a Switch to your face, because there are no other way of playing it, then go for it. I mean, it's, at least it's a big cable free. That's one up on the PSVR. That's it. I you am... do have to hold it to your face because there's you no back strap. <laughs> no, there's no strap, so you have to hold it to your face. Which is kind of weird. But it's like it's like Virtual Boy, isn't it? It's gonna be like a Virtual Boy simulator, isn't it? Yep, but... kind of, yeah. Kind of, yeah. Also on the twelfth is um Ultra Wings, a PSVR game. Um if you guys wanna fly around in the air on in VR, that sounds horrendous to me. But that that's also coming out. But yeah. Lavo VR, hooray! I'm quietly curious about this. I want to see how it goes down. On paper, it's actually a really good idea mm. in the sense that Google Cardboard was great. It's just a bit of cardboard thing you fold it together, slot your phone in, VR. Worked great, but from what I've seen of it, you have to hold the controllers because like, the screen bit of the Switch doesn't have any kind of motion sensors, does it? Yeah, essentially uses the gyro of the, of the uh, Joy-Cons. Yeah, uh, so you've got to hold the Joy-Cons up to your face. Uh, and control that way, which is just pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, yeah, on well, paper, it's a good idea, but they should have put some motion things in the screen area, maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. It might be great. It might be the best VR out there. Who yeah. knows? Who knows? I was speaking to Sam VR, the guy that made um, Radio G, about it, and uh, he's, he's not convinced the Switch screen is going to have the correct resolution for VR. But uh, he, he he remains quietly confident because he's the biggest proponent of virtual reality that I've ever known. So 
We shall see. I'll wait for his opinion, I think, before I before I jump in. Um, so that's it. Um, this has been a jam-packed episode of the Finger Guns podcast. Thank you very much indeed for listening all the way through, if indeed you have. Um, do ensure that you follow us on all of our socials. Uh, we got Twitter, which is at F-N-G-R-G-N-S. It's Finger Guns without the vowels. You see what we did there? It was smart two years ago. It's not so much anymore. <laughs> um, you can follow us on Facebook, which is uh, Finger Guns UK. Facebook.com forward slash Finger Guns UK. Again, because uh, we can't get a decent name on there because Finger Guns doesn't work as a name on Facebook, apparently, which is kind of a pain in the ass. But there we go. That's how it works. If you want to follow us on Twitch, you can as well on fingerguns.net. That is all one word, twitch.tv forward slash fingerguns.net. Um, we will be back on there at some point. I say this every week and we haven't done it yet, but we will at some point. And if you have Amazon Prime, you have Twitch Prime. You can subscribe to us with Twitch Prime onto a channel that we never use. <laughs> so, you know, up to you. Up to you completely. Uh, and also we have a Patreon as well, which keeps this, this podcast going. Um, this entire podcast is funded by our Patreon supporters. So thank you very much indeed for that. That's super cool that we're able to host this podcast on iTunes and Spotify and Podbean due to um, the the patrons that we have for the channel. So thank you very, very much indeed. And um, we're trying not to let you down. This cast is doing uh, doing quite well. So all good. It seems to be going in the right direction. Um, so that's it, really. Thank you very much indeed uh, for listening. We'll be back again next week. And hopefully our old friend from PS Gamer, Mr. Tim Utley, is going to be joining us, which is going to be very exciting. Because um, mm-hmm. we, we haven't done a podcast with him for a long, long, long time. So uh, that's going to be fun. Uh, so thank you very much indeed. I'll say uh, it's goodbye from Sean Davies. Toodles. <laughs> it's a goodbye from the almighty Paul Collett. Au revoir. What was that? Au revoir? Yeah. Is that right. goodbye in French or that now? It is goodbye in French. You're absolutely okay, good. That would be quite embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, goodbye from me. I've been Roscoe. Thank you very much indeed. And we'll see you next time. Sure.